Hello, and welcome to episode 80 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Guess what? Uh, I'm going to guess E3. Four days, baby. Did I guess right? Whoop, whoop! Yeah. We are so excited. I can't. I can't stop thinking about it. Not just because I want to see the games, but because I want to see you guys. And uh, I'm also moving the day after I get back, so it's just like a whirlwind of good stuff happening. Nice, nice. Like so. Avengers Assemble. And one of the yeah. Avengers, you just heard him, ladies and gentlemen, that's Derek Heemsbergen. Hey, whoa, yeah, I'm Embryon on the boards. He's the Chris Evans of RP Fanatical Club. No, 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 no. I'm the, the manager of the Chris Evans fan club, which is my... Uh, <laughs> I went and played a pub trivia. Um, actually, I've gone the last two weeks <laughs> I in saw a row. that. Yeah, so the first week, the first week we went, uh, we named our team Chris Evans Fan Club because uh, basically, if you're unfamiliar with the idea, it's like you go, you go to bars and it's just like free trivia nights where they have geeky questions and stuff. And uh, they want you to come in and, and patronize the businesses. So they make money by hosting the quizzes there. So the first week we were uh, Chris Evans Fan Club. The second week we were Team Bible Black Fan Fiction. Oh, um, God. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that neither time uh, we won. But we did have the pleasure of making the announcer repeat our name several times throughout the night each night. So that was <laughs> worth it. Did anybody in the bar besides you guys know Bible Bible Black was? <laughs> I wish. I mean, they may have... Oh, but nobody oh. said anything about it. So. Oh dear. Uh, I, I was gonna say, Derek. Like, I I, I was watching uh, the Avengers today. Only the second time I've watched that film, and I was like, if we were all Avengers, who would we be? And I I, I was kind of debating with you. Like, would you? Square be... to God, if you say, what, what? Go ahead. No, 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 no. What, what's the square to God? <laughs> I just I feel like you're gonna tell me that I'm Scarlett Johansson. No, I was gonna say Hawkeye. Jesus. Oh, why? Because I. That's actually worse than being Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson's awesome in that movie. No, yeah, that's what I'm talking. No, there's nothing. No. Yeah, she's awesome. It's just because I thought yeah. you were going to be like, she's the woman. Ha ha. No, no, no. Hawkeye's pretty amazing in that movie. Arrowed. You know, considering what he had to do, he's. I, I, I take back what I said about when I first saw that. I love that movie, but like, I watch, I actually watched it the other day with my brother. And I actually think he's really good in it. I just think he's underutilized. Okay, I can see that. That's uh, Stephen Myrink, everybody. Taylor's on the boards. Okay, so who would Derek be? That's tough. Chris Evans? Yeah. So he's Captain America. Sure, I'll be Captain America. That's fine. I don't think I'm quite snarky enough for Iron Man. Like, I'm snarky, but I'm not enough of a womanizer. Is Steven Iron Man? Or any any bit of a womanizer. Uh, He could... Well, see, this is just... I don't know who's who then. So who are you, Rob? Are you, like, Hulk? Because you're a physics teacher? Nick Furious. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm the Hulk. Okay. <laughs> I think fair. I'm the Hulk because if you've ever seen me get really mad at a game, <laughs> you do rage quite a bit. You know what though? He marries Jackie, and then she just looks at him. She goes, "Rob, how do you play all these games? And how do you survive them?" And you just look at her dead seriously with your controller, and you go, "That's my secret." I'm always angry, and then you punch a hole through the TV. <laughs> I, I love that scene, but that scene makes absolutely no sense. Like, I, I really don't understand how Hulk goes from, like, trying to kill Scarlett Johansson to all of a sudden, like, he's under control and he's focused. Well, the idea is that he's, like, they established that he's got it under control and then the ship blows up and he falls down and the, the, the stick of doom or whatever is, like, affecting him. So he hits the ground, he loses control. Because uh, he, he, he had control of it at the end of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, I mean, I'm not complaining because it made, uh, to Joss Whedon's credit, and I know I'm about ready to uh, be 
positive towards Joss Whedon, which doesn't happen very often. He made the Hulk oh interesting, which I relate. Don't start with me. The guy's only done two good things, Cabin in the Woods and the Avengers. Sorry. And Firefly. And- no, no, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. Firefly might be one of the most overrated things ever. Look, Firefly, is, no. it got canceled after like a week. Yeah. How could it be overrated? Yeah, no, because fan great. no, because a bunch of Joss Whedon fanboys are just like it's everybody else's fault that this got canceled except the viewers who didn't watch it. Well, Arrested Development's better than most shows, and that got canceled. Uh, I, I, and, and what's funny is I think that there's a little bit of Joss Whedon in the Avengers, but it's tolerable because he kept the focus on the Marvel characters. He didn't do his Joss Whedon like here's a multicultural cast of badasses. Here's the part where the girl kicks ass, and like the nerdy guy watches because that's apparently Joss Whedon's thing. It's kind of like the director for uh, the Resident Evil movies being married to Mila Jovovich. It all becomes some kind of weird sexual thing when you're watching it, but whatever. Like he keeps the focus on the characters which is really good but anywho i would say i'm the hulk i i when when hulk rages out and does what he does to look oh my god dude the part <laughs> of the movie when he just looks give, when captain america gives everybody orders and then it's just like hulk smash like that's why i love going to midnight releases because when that happened everybody in the theater got up and started screaming it was awesome yeah. and then hulk just rips into everything the two best moments in that movie are when Hulk and Thor are right next to each other and Hulk just punches him. <laughs> like, that was hysterical. And then when Hulk just destroys Loki. Because it is just so funny. Except the theater was laughing so hard we couldn't hear him say puny god as he walked away. But anywho, I, I would say I'm the Hulk. Uh, Steven, I, you can be Iron Man. That's fine. You can get paid more than all of us uh, to be in the movie. That, that's... I was going to say that might actually be true. I think so. I think so. What? In real life. Well, Rob, I don't know. Rob's a big boy with his big boy job. Hey, I get a new house. It sure as hell ain't me. Whoop, whoop. Nice. That's awesome. And the Jeffersons theme just started playing. It it is the west side of campus, not the east side of campus, which kind of defeats the whole thing. But yeah, I get to move into a new house over the summer, so I'm excited for that. But uh, let's get back to E3 as we were sitting here getting all caught up in what Avenger is everybody. You're the one who started it. I, I was just thinking about it. I was just. I, I have been kind of on a Marvel hook. Like I completely legally watched Captain America last night, and like again, and Captain America Two is the best movie Marvel's ever made. I need to see it. It's I really so need to see good. It. It's good. Yeah. Like you know it. what isn't very good? Uh. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. That's a, that's a, that is a brutal segue. I, I yeah. Know I know what you're gonna say, and that's a little rough. I'm gonna brutalize it. A Seriously, little bit. Rob. I mean, Dark Souls Two is is maybe not as good as the first one, but it's good. Jesus! Let's, it never ends. Wow. It never ends. Wow. No, 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 no. I was uh, I was gonna say, you know what isn't very good? Transistor. It's not so very good. We have divergent opinions on Transistor slightly. Slightly, in some ways. I'd say we're all down on it, but not of equal measure. I think it is a worthwhile game to play. (laughs) I think... I don't think it will harm you if you play it. No, no, like, if you spend the 20 bucks to get it, you'll either really like it, or you'll find it okay. I don't think it's an out-and-out bad game. No, no, I would agree with that. But, and so, not to steal the whole conversation away, but we kind of disagree on the combat. I like the combat and think it's fun. I don't think it's the best thing ever, but I, I appreciate what it does. I like the customization and the sort of the degree of freedom you have to play it, and I like how consistently it present, presents its theme. But on the other hand, and I think you agree with me on this, I think the game just got its head so far up its own butt that I just I play it and I just want it to shut up. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not as big on the gameplay as you are, uh, so I'll, I'll get into that later. But, yeah, it just... This game's really in love with itself. And I, I it know... It has this vibe. Hmm? Like, it just has this vibe, like, I'm so amazing, don't you love me? Like, it's that guy at the party that has the damn handlebar mustache who's, like, sitting there <laughs> with his PBR, and he's, like, twirling his mustache and telling you about how he's been to France and Peru and, like, you know, you're still living in your town that you grew up in and like i was gonna one-up that analogy i was gonna say it's the guy that gets the intellectual pot smoker and everybody knows what i'm talking about when i say that the guy who smokes up at a party and then just sits on a couch and tells everybody how awesome he is yeah it's just i i guess i'm in love honestly with the the visual and audio (laughs) design of transistor yep oh Uh, yeah i love the way it looks and sounds i think like the color palette's amazing i love the design of the city um, I love the art that's in the menus, and I love the UI. All that is fantastic, but this game is permeated by a sense of, like, I'm better than you. And it's it's so weird. Like, I don't even know if it's I'm better than you so much as, like, it's obvious that the developers sat around being incredibly smug and full of themselves when they were making this game. And I know that sounds really harsh, and it may not even be true, but that's the sense I get. And if we're all getting that same sense, I feel like... You know, I don't know that I, I don't. I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say the developers were smug about it. I think the developers made a game that they love. Like I think that they made an experience that is reflective of what they like, and that's you know that's really cool and all. But I think the problem is that there was sort of this assumption that the game people were in love with the game before it was even close to coming out. So like there was never any doubt that people were going to give like heap a lot of praise on the game for the way it looks. And for, you know, the the presentation being as great as it is. But that doesn't take away from the fact that it's still, like... It's like the first Dark Souls. People take points off the first Dark Souls because it's not accessible. And I would agree, it's not. It, it has this sort of uncompromising design philosophy that makes it hard to get into for a lot of people. And if you dig into that, there's a lot to, to enjoy. But And this is the same sort of thing where they have this absolutely uncompromising visual aesthetic and sort of style to the game. That while it does create a unique and I would say memorable experience, it also makes this the plot kind of nonsensical. Yeah, I, I think that the the pretentiousness argument for this game is coming from two areas. That I think if they if they fix these two things, I think that our argument would go away. Stephen made the right point. The story is just convoluted, incomprehensible nonsense. Like it, it, that's the thing is it's nothing. It's not that it's not interesting. It's that. There's this really weird minimalist slash overly verbose. It is both minimalist and too wordy. Yes. And we'll get into why it's too wordy in a minute because, well, oh, you better believe that. Exactly. That's where I'm going is that it, it spends a lot of time telling you things to not tell you things. And that's also playing into, I think, the biggest part of the pretentiousness. Supergiant Games has kind of become the the narrator video games. Like, everybody praised the narrator in Bastion. And he was awesome in Bastion. I thought it was yeah, a really we... unique and fun, and like it, I, I, it was one of my favorite parts of Bastion. Yep. And then there's Transistor, whose narrator is god awful. It's it's He's not that terrible. his de- it's not that his delivery is bad because his delivery is just as expert as it was. And I appreciate the concept of having a voiceover like that, but he never shuts up. And it's like, I think the narrator is what makes me so sour on things. Because, again, I, I enjoyed the game enough to finish it. I thought it had a really cool final boss battle. I liked the combat. I loved the music. But that narrator, every time, I feel like he's, like, 
putting on his bowler and his vest to his friend's party with a bunch of undergrads who are, like, you know, drinking Bud Light while he's drinking craft beers. And he's like, yeah, read Raymond Chandler last night. Great dark novel. Probably never heard of it. It's pretty good, though. Go over there, Red. There's a thing. I'm going to tell you about it. But then you're not going to be able to hear me over the music. And then I'm going to keep talking. And then I'm going to talk to you like you know the story, even though I haven't presented it yet. And then I'm going to say, that's the process. They're bad. Yeah. Going over there now. <laughs> that You guys just got what Transistor is. I mean, I, I could – I wanted to mute him. I was so and – and he's talking it, – it's like having a, a – you know what it is? It's like having it's like, a five-year-old talk to you. It's like hey, having hey. Navi. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's but it. But only if Navi is able to speak eloquently. <laughs> it's I'm, just, hey, listen, it, listen, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. It makes listen, me hey. sad because I feel like the game, it's just – it's so full of incredible artistic potential. And this is one of those games that we were all looking at and being like, you know, oh, could this be another – good example of games as art and and i play it and i actually haven't played it that much and, I, and that makes me sad because i got it on release day and i put like an hour and a half into it and for some reason i just i don't have the interest in booting it back up like i'm totally going to i just keep i just think that it's there's something wrong if i'm not so hooked that i want to jump right back into it because that's that's what i expected to be like i, I was i was so jazzed to buy it and start it up and um, I was super, super into it, and then I played it the one time, and I haven't booted it up since then. I, like, I don't know, I don't know why, or what, what all is contributing to that, other than I think I agree that the narrator is kind of irritating. Um, I probably haven't played it enough to feel as strongly as you guys do, but it's that, well, that damn sense of pretentiousness. And and I, I do take it back. I think that it's it's going a little bit far to be like, oh, the developers intentionally are being super smug, but that is absolutely the way that it comes across. Me. The game comes across as smug, but the game comes across as I totally know I'm going to get nines. Yeah, I, I actually said like, that. But, to... but, you know, like, and I agree, Derek, because I was really excited for it. Cause I loved it at E3, and I still like, like, the time mechanic in combat, like, where you can queue up actions. I really do like that. That's why I like the game so much, because with that kind of customization and that system, there's a lot of flexibility in how you want to fight your battles. Um but it's like, you know, I, I think part of the reason you didn't want to get back into it, because I remember I got it to review it, and I had to play it pretty quickly. And I played it for, like, an hour one day, and then I didn't touch it again until like, the day before I had to review it and beat the whole thing. Because I just, I didn't care about the world, because it's it's presented in such a way where it's not, you're not being shown anything, you're just being told. Yeah. Like, like, they talk about all of this history and stuff in the world, and he's just babbling constantly. And I'm like, yeah, but nothing in the world reflects that. I'm still just running around, getting into fights, and walking to the next area. Yeah, and... Like, the world feels... For a world that is so dense and so richly designed, it feels completely empty and devoid of life. Yeah, and I I wasn't a big fan of the combat. And for me, this turn-based combat system that allows you to freeze time and plan out attacks, it wasn't as precise as I wanted it to be, but... It does offer a lot of variety, like you can do tons of different combinations with your skill set, but if you find something that works, the game the game's only incentive for you to use other pieces of equipment or other abilities is actually kind of interesting because you open up new story beats as you use different pieces of equipment. That's that's really cool. See, yeah. I, actually, I actually find that to be a really great impetus, and I'm, I feel like that was intentional, like... You know, if you want to just play with the skill set that's min-max effective, that's great. But this is, again, a game that takes the way it presents its story above all else in terms of, like, design. Right, so, but 
Like, I was actually swapping a lot because I was actually interested in those stories because they were the only things that were told in a way that was comprehensible. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's actually keeping me going. That The thing that makes me want to play the most is learning more of that story and unlocking those. So I, I appreciate that incentive, but... I guess I, I like games. I like games a little bit more where the ability set that I'm using gets more powerful as I go, and I unlock new move sets to augment my current move set. With this game, I had just about everything I wanted at the very start, and yeah, I, I did a little bit of switching, but then I always went back to my original starting stuff, and I was like, no, this feels good, but you never those those abilities don't get stronger, and so I was just like, wow, I've seen the first 45 minutes I had with Transistor. After that, I played the same way for the next three and a half hours, and it was really boring. It was really boring. Well, I think I would argue, in the game's credit, that's also sort of a Persona 4 Golden type thing, where you have the ability to play the game in such a way that you never have to change Personas, and you could just blast up one, but why would you play it that way if you don't like it as much? That's true. That's true. I just... Like, I, I, like, I, I agree that it, it, it's weird to have to force yourself to play a certain way because it's available, but on the other hand, it's cool that they've designed a system where you can play it either way and both work. Yeah, I guess. I, and then the, the other thing, and I, I know Steven really disagrees with me on this. When I realized how the death mechanic worked in this game, where when you, when you technically lose all your life, you lose one of your four abilities. And as long as you have one ability, you can keep fighting. That turned the entire game into a war of attrition for me. Where I was like, well, even if I lose all my health on this encounter... There's no way I'm going to lose all my health twice, so I'm just going to barrel through it, and then when you get to the next save point, you just get all your skills back. And that, I know that there's varying difficulty levels in this game, but especially on one of the the middle bosses of the game, it didn't feel like I could avoid any of the attacks, it didn't feel like I could do anything, it just became rock'em sock'em robots. I was like, okay, I'm going to hit the, the boss, and then he's going to hit me, and then I'm going to hit him, and then he's going to hit me, and then I'm going to, okay, well I can do the math here. He's going to take out all my life in one, so I'm going to lose one ability, and then I killed him. All right, that was fun. Like, that was just weird. It just, it, it feels like this system just doesn't come together. There were moments where the game was telling me I was going to get a backstab for extra damage, and then the enemy would turn, and I wouldn't, or it would tell me that the enemy was going to fly into this explosion, and it wouldn't, and I just, I just stopped caring. I, I stopped trying to play it cool. I found the combat to just be boring and and honestly a hurdle because i kept expecting the story to open up and interest me and with the exception of the last boss fight which i do think has some cool ideas going on there i don't know if they exactly work but there's some cool stuff going on there the combat felt like it was impeding my story progress and then when i found out that there was no story to progress to i just immediately i can't even remember this game i cannot even remember it i it's a game i played well in that case, you know it's better than Dungeons & Dragons Daggerfall. It's better than Lucius, I guess. Oh, God. That's a game that actively hurt you for playing it. Yeah, it, it just, it's a game that just... I don't know. It, it's weird. I, I just did not get into it. And granted, I wasn't a big fan of Bastion, but, man, I would have much rather have played Bastion than this. Yeah. I, I'll have more thoughts as I actually play it some more. And I, I don't want to judge it too completely this early but yeah i mean it's not a good sign so far i i want to love it i really do like i haven't wanted to love a game this much since nino kuni where i played it and i was like everything about this should work for me and it's not and i don't get it yeah i i found i was in the same category as you derek i actively didn't want to pick it up 
Like, I, I found I was sitting down at the computer and going, okay, I got to get that transistor review done. Uh, let me check my email. Okay, nothing on the email. All right, let me check uh, what's on game trailers right now. Okay. No, I don't. And then Jackie was actually like, you need to play that game for review. I'm like, do I have to? It's It felt like a homework assignment. I just yeah, it, didn't want to play it. That is the thing. Like, well, maybe for you, but I don't, no, it I don't wasn't feel like bad. It's anywhere near that bad. But it just something about it. Something yeah, doesn't it, click. That's the thing is, I I act I actively say it's an enjoyable game that I feel like you could you you know, it's worth buying, but it's also one that's just like, uh, well, whatever. It's really pretty, and that's kind of all I feel about it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I feel like we've kind of exhausted our. Our thoughts on that are limited. Our, our bastioning. Really apathetic thoughts. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, you know, I don't know. It blah. I, honestly, that's how I felt about it. It was just me. Meh. Well, hopefully I how about it. How about something that is decidedly not meh? Yeah, well, dark. It's, well, it's, meh is not the I word you could say, use. I have much stronger feelings about this game. So, and they're not necessarily positive. It's, oh God, Drakengard 3 is such a weird game. So weird. <laughs> so, I played a lot of it because I reviewed it. And um, it's a game that has to be, see, the, okay. So, it's kind of misleading in that you, you have to, quote unquote, beat the game more than once to get the full story. But um, you don't have to, like, replay the game from the beginning every single time. So, let me start, let me start back. Let me, let me go back a little bit here. So, Drakengard 3 is a weird game. <laughs> it's like, where, where do I even start talking about this game? So, like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with, with Drakengard. So, 1 and 2 were released on the PS2. They were really crappy Dynasty Warriors-esque games mixed with crappy aerial combat. But they had some of the weirdest stories out there. Like, absolutely bonkers, off-the-wall, like, unusual and compelling stories. Like, the first one had, I think she was an elf who... Uh, I, th- I think her children were murdered or something, and then she lost her mind, and then she decided that she wanted to eat babies. So she, like, follows you around, and she's like, are there any children to eat? And there's, like, incest and people cutting out their own tongues and or, like, giving away parts of their body to make packs with dragons. Like, the main character of Drakengard 1, he, uh, gives, he gives up his ability to speak in order to make a pact with a dragon so that he can live, because I think he's mortally wounded. I may be misremembering that, but it was something along those lines. But... There's all this weird stuff about, like, evil gods and alternate dimensions and stuff. Like, it's almost kind of, I don't want to say Lovecraftian, but it's very, very odd. Like Because they look like generic medieval RPGs when you look at the boxes. But they're so, so far out, so different from that. And Drakengard 3 absolutely carries on that tradition. So, Drakengard 3 is the story of Zero, who is an intoner, which is like a magic song goddess. And she, along with her... Well, not along with them, but she has these sisters, these uh, five other sisters, and they each rule over a different part of the world with their song magic. So they're basically like the the linchpins that hold the world together. They so are the Zero, Lords of Shadow. Yes, sure. Oh. Something like that. So Zero, in the very beginning of the game, is like, I'm going to kill my sisters because I'm crazy. And you're like, what's going on? And the game doesn't tell you what's going on, basically, until like the very end. Um, it's just, it's an it's a completely insane game is all i can really say um so you're on this quest to murder your sisters literally and you do absolutely do very viciously and it's it's just 
but it's not at all what it appears at first glance, much like the other two games. So like, and but even even this one is starting from a stranger place than the other two started. So it goes even further out into left field. I feel like um, the game itself is basically another Dynasty Warriors clone esque sort of game, except instead of having big open areas, you go along very linear paths. So this is the Final Fantasy 13 of Dynasty Warriors, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, it's, a, it's a hack and slash game. It has really simple combat. You have four weapon types. You have gauntlet swords, chakrams, and spears. But among those four types, there's only a little bit of variation in actual moves. It's pretty much just like mash attack and throw in some strong attacks and dodge sometimes. Um, and yet it dis- it manages to be maddeningly difficult with some of the encounters because enemies can like two-shot you and you have to redo a stage. But the way the game is structured is like you're just going through four stages of tedious hacking and slashing and then one interesting boss fight. And then you repeat that for the entire game. Are there... Uh, can, can you ride a dragon? You can in some of the stages, but it's like... Wasn't that the entire point of this series? No. Well, I mean, that's... Part, it's part of the series. You always have the ability to, but it's like a side thing almost. Oh. Um, the the hack and slash stages outnumber the dragon stages like four to one. Oh. So it is, uh, I don't, like it's so mind-numbingly repetitive and boring. <laughs> and not only that, but when you die, you have to repeat whatever stage you were on, which may not seem like a lot, but when you when you make it through the, well, there are some checkpoints, but like when you make it through most of a stage and then you get two-shotted by some crap, it's really, really, really irritating because the game plays like crap. It has an atrocious frame rate. Like, it drops down to... I mean, I can't really estimate, but it definitely... Like, 30, 30 frames is, is its max. It drops down to, like, 20 all the time, maybe 15, I don't know. But there's constant slowdown. Um, it looks bad. Like, the, the actual engine is pretty ugly. The, the main character models look decent, but all the enemies are just nameless, faceless soldiers that look identical to one another, a la Dynasty Warriors. Um, textures are grainy, color palette super muddy. Um, it looks bad, and it runs worse. So, like, when you hear me complain about how I think Dark Souls doesn't run super well, like, that's nothing compared to this. This is just bad. Even in cutscenes, it looks bad. It's stuttery. Like, you, the frame rate noticeably drops whenever there are effects on the screen during cutscenes, and I'm just like... How, how did, did that happen? Happen? Right, like, there there had to have been a point where there was some QA happening or some optimization happening, and they were like, oh, it's fine. Like, no, it's really not. So this is clearly um, not an A, like, you know, their A team's effort. This is a, a B or maybe even a C team that had been working on this on the side. But, so the game is like, it, it looks bad, it plays pretty bad, and it's repetitive. <laughs> so why do I not hate it completely? because it has such a weird and engaging narrative and an amazing soundtrack. Um, mm. the, yeah, story, the story is so interesting and so bizarre that it kept me playing. Like, every time I got pissed off because I was tired of getting stomped by these stupid enemies and going down these stupid identical corridors, I'd be like, I gotta see the cutscene because I gotta know what's going on. This is so damn weird. Um, to its credit, there, there was some really interesting character building happening before the game came came out because there was a a prequel novella written and they actually uploaded, they translated it into English and were uploading it chapter by chapter on the game's official website. So there's a lot of really, really cool backstory for the characters that's there that is not included in the game. And I feel like I just keep saying it's weird and I'm not really giving examples of it. So, okay. So the main character, Zero, um, she is 
basically immortal. She has a flower growing out of her eye that's like a parasitic monster that gives her eternal life in exchange for sucking away her soul and her humanity and like weakening into her body. So eventually it's going to like consume her, I guess. So she's on this quest to kill her sisters who are all insatiable, like they all have an insatiable sex drive. Um, and they each have a disciple, which is like basically a sex slave. And they even kind of, they, they talk about it in the game, which is surprising because a lot of games like this may have things like that mentioned in the background material, but they don't really get into it in the game. But they absolutely do. They're like, oh yeah, you know, he's just your sex slave. He means nothing to you, that kind of stuff. Um, there's one character. So the four disciples are all also insane. Um, one of them is, he looks like a 15-year-old boy that is a complete sadist. Also um, insane. Yeah, he's he's a sadist. He delights in torturing people. He talks about like, oh, I wonder what it'd look like if I skinned them alive and tore their insides out. So that's normal. Um, there's one guy that's an extreme masochist who gets extreme pleasure out of um, being tormented in any way whatsoever, like being ignored. And he's like, oh, I love. Well, he doesn't say it, but he's like, oh, enduring pain is, is so amazing. Um, so he's bizarre. There's an old man that supposedly has like the largest penis in the entire world or something like that. Okay. Um, and he never, ever stops talking about it, ever. <laughs> like, and, and the, way the, the way the game is written is, um, like, they speak very casually about these things in and, and such a way that I wouldn't expect to hear in a video game. Like, she'll just be like, will you sh-? Zero will be like, will you shut up about your junk already? And he's like, oh, but I want you to please me tonight. Oh, 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 can, oh. can I, just to halt you real quick, you know what I'm having flashbacks to? Our discussion about Nier. Yeah, because this is in the same universe. So is the Nier universe just like wannabe hentai? Like, what what the hell is going on here? Like, what? No, there's just. I think that uh, I was reading something like an interview with the director who is saying that he feels like uh, sexuality isn't really explored in games, so he wants to bring it up in such a way where it's not just like, oh, they went to the strip club and saw boobs. Yeah, it's like we'll um, handle it like twelve-year-old little kids, and that'll make I, it better. Yeah, I, no, uh, I kind of disagree that that is handling it like twelve-year-old kids. People joke about that kind of stuff all the time, and I mean, the mere presence of it doesn't make it infantile. No, but the the way it can go on and on and on can. I mean that that can end up destroying it, can it not? Well, like, yeah, that's exactly what we talked about with conception. Like conception was incredibly one note with the way that it presented sexuality. Um, I feel like Dragon Guard Three does handle it better. Uh, it does it does get some of its jokes are repetitive, but none of it feels like none of it feels infantile to me. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It it does. It's just so freaking whacked out there that I don't I don't get that same feeling that I did with conception. I'm having a really hard time articulating why, but. The game is just basically it just pushes you on because you want to know why. Like, why does Zero want to kill her sisters? Like, why are her sisters all insane? Well, they're not all insane. Some of them are, but it's like, what you know? Why do they act the way they do? Like, what's happening here with the overarching plot? And like I said, you don't really get to know until you've actually beaten the game several times. But like, once you beat it the first time, you get well. I don't want to say too much about what's going on. But basically, you get like an extra chapter, so it's just five stages. And then at the end of that, you get another chapter that's five stages, and each one has a new ending to the game, and they're all kind of like parallel timelines. Um, and you'll understand why all that's happening as you play it. But it's uh, it certainly is an interesting game. And it's as much as I rail on it for being not fun to play, it is interesting. Although I, would, I wouldn't really suggest buying it. <laughs> it's, I would just suggest like 
listen to that soundtrack and uh, watch cutscenes on YouTube or something like that because the game is not is not super fun. And speaking of the soundtrack, so like I said, this is in the same universe as Nier, so there are some very tenuous connections between the two. But a real-life connection between the two is that it has the same uh, sound team behind it. It's a Monaka, I think, and the main composer for that is Keiichi Okabe, who, who handled the soundtrack for Nier. So this is another soundtrack full of really interesting, dynamic, um, very unusual for RPG slash video game melodies. There's a lot of styles that I don't tr- typically see represented in games. Like there's some, uh, there's like Gabber in one of the boss songs. Because the, like, again, the game kind of has like a vaguely medieval setting. So when you get to a boss and it's your sister, and this is the first sister, so here's a slight spoiler. So apologies, it's not too much of one. You know, she, she kills her sisters, that's what happens. So your first sister like dies and then spawns a gigantic evil like demon angel, demon slash angel crab, and then Gabber starts playing and it's like, and you're like, what is happening? Like, this is not at all what I expected to hear from this game. But the soundtrack is so cool because it completely subverts your expectations all the time um each uh sister slash boss fight has like its own unique song um lots of really cool soft vocal themes in between stages and stuff uh i think what's her name i feel horrible for not remembering it the the who did song of the ancients from near what's the name of the vocalist steven you know thinking uh, about see i don't uh, know what's amy yeah. evans amy evans yes amy evans thank you she, so she does a lot of the vocal work for the game and she's excellent as usual. So all I can really say is listen to the soundtrack, watch the cutscenes. The game is weird and broken, but super interesting. Hmm. It's not something I can really recommend, you know, because I can't I can't endorse a game that is basically busted on a technical level. I, I just don't understand why they didn't spend time fixing some of these problems that they clearly could have fixed. Like there are design things that that I can understand, like, okay, if you want to have the stages be long and tedious, whatever, that's fine. But, like, the actual frame rate being bad is just at this, bizarre. At this stage in the PS3 generation, with the game looking like it does, that's basically just, all right, the game's done, put it out. Yeah, and the camera's crap, too. Like, you constantly get, the camera gets stuck on stuff, or, uh, oh, God, there's one boss fight where you're on your dragon in a church, and you're like flying around on your dragon inside of the church and your camera gets caught up in the corners of the church roof and it's ridiculous. Like it's so infuriating because you have to dodge very precisely in that fight. Uh, I just, I don't know how that kind of stuff made it through QA. Hmm. Weird, weird freaking game, man. And I I think I expected to like it. Or I expected it to be a little bit better than it was. Um, I know I've been, I had been hyping it up a bit because I, I really wanted to see what was going on with the story in the soundtrack. And it's yeah, not it was, like... That was actually, but Sorry, that was actually kind of how I felt. Like, we talked about it before. Like, a lot of people were hyping it up, and I felt like it got a lot of hype because of the soundtrack and not because of the predecessors, because, like, Drakengard 1 and 2 weren't that good either. And, like, yeah, you know, not that I, I was expecting this the, to be totally terrible, but, like... I thought it was going to be on the same level as Nier, at least, because it was like, okay, so they've learned things between Drakengard 2 and Nier, and Nier also wasn't the best game ever, but it was certainly playable, and it was good enough that I didn't really mind playing it a lot of the time because the story was interesting. But So, so basically, I expected about the same. Like, I expected a, on a scale, I expected like a 7.5 out of 10, um, something that didn't offend me, but something that didn't excite me. And Dragon Guard 3 is actually a little bit worse off than that. 
Mm. So that that was a bummer. Um, I rated it a 68, I believe. It's kind of interesting. We talked about Transistor and Drakengard 3, two games that, you know, at least with Transistor, when I was playing that, I, I was pushing through the gameplay that I wasn't enjoying to hopefully get the story that never really came. With Drakengard 3, it sounds like you pushed through gameplay. You weren't interested to get the story that you were interested in. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, I am not... I, I think I'm reaching a point where... It feels like a waste of my time, you know? Like, yeah. I so many other things I could be playing. I would much rather read... Uh, it, this gets back to that point that I've brought up before about narrative in video games. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading uh, uh, All You Need Is Kill, which is the basis of that new Tom... Hey, I'm, re- I'm reading that too. Yeah, I'm like, I only have about 30 pages left, and I'm really enjoying it. I, I really like how they handle their time travel stuff. It's it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's schlocky, but it's good. Oh, like, of course it's schlocky, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, like it's it's. I would call it like you know guilty pleasure potato chips reading. It's pulpy, like it's like pulpy. I, I like that. Um, but you know, when I'm reading a book, you don't hit a, a bad boss or like a bad gameplay section, and then they go, "Hey, you need to reread the past twenty pages." You know, and so I I just don't know. If I'm not enjoying a game, I remember people made this argument about The Last of Us. People were like, yeah, I'm not really enjoying the gameplay that much, but I'm really liking the storyline. I don't know if I could do that with a game anymore at my age, you know, getting ready to go on 30 this year, God help me. I don't know if I can do that anymore. If I could play a game that I'm not enjoying from a gameplay perspective just to see the story. I think I definitely still can. Because uh, I mean, there I, are just, I can. There, I there are, want that to like, be the game. Like, yeah, I don't want that to be the case all of the time, but I'm willing to do it in certain situations. I think that's what was holding me back on Transistor, honestly. Was, like, I was interested to see the story, but the gameplay was such a slog for me that I wasn't willing to sit down and put the time into it, but, you know? But we've already decided that the story didn't live up in Transistor. No, it if didn't. If the story had been interesting, you might have been less sour on it at the end. We're like, yeah, it was meh, but I like the story. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, and that's the, the thing I think, like, Transistor is a better game with a story that didn't pan out, and Drakengard 3 is a worse game with a story that did pan out. Well, we want yeah. Dragon, we want Drakengard 3 to be an anime, preferably without tentacles. That would be, actually be awesome. I think yeah, would, no, I would watch that. Really well as an anime. I, without tentacles. I have this sort of, like... Without I, tentacles. I'm willing to play... I know, no tentacles, <laughs> got it! I have black fanfiction. <laughs> I, you know, I'm willing to play a game that's maybe less good if the story's really interesting, and spe- more specifically if the characters are interesting. Just because I sort of, and I don't know if we brought this up before, but I don't really believe that if something is a piece of art, and you know, games art, whatever, I'm not having that debate, but a piece of art is not necessarily obliged to present itself to you in a certain way. And while I don't think that excuses crappy gameplay, I do think that sort of the harrowing experience of Playing Drakengard, while it's not fun, is still not something you're likely to forget. Yeah. Yeah, I won't forget the story for sure. And, you know, exactly, it's tied into the story. Now, obviously, we like it when the game can be good, too. But, you know, you you run into some interesting scenarios. Like, I mean, look at 999. 999 isn't much of a game. It's, you know, what's there is pleasant. But did any of us, like, did any of us say, oh, I love the puzzles in 999. I would play it over and over again for the puzzles. I like no, the that, puzzles when I was exploring. That's the kind Go of ahead. thing where, like, you solve it once and then you know what the solution is. Right. Well, I, I mean, more like, you know, say you want to re-experience the story. Are you going to say, I can't wait to redo the puzzles? Like, uh, right. 
that, not, that's a good well, point, maybe, actually. Maybe a bad example because you have to do that anyway. But, like, well, think about VLR. Are you going to go you play it on iOS? Touche. But at that point, what's left of the game, you know? Like, yeah, you're, and, you're just reading and getting a story, and then you're getting a book with graphics and music, which is amazing. I, but, like, here's a better example. VLR, you don't have to repeat anything. Are you ever going to replay VLR and redo all the puzzles? I, I was trying to get in there for, like, five minutes, Stephen, and you kept cutting me off. Uh, I love you. But, like... Your VLR argument is actually very true, and that's something I hadn't thought of before. That's a good retort to my argument, which is by the end of VLR, I actually was really tired of the puzzles. I I think VLR's puzzles were all over the place. Some were really good, and some were kind of heinous and really pissed me off. And at that point, I was pushing through the gameplay to get to the story. So that is a good example in in your favor. So, yeah, I can see that. Now, but on the other hand, I... Again, I really enjoyed the puzzles and the gameplay in VLR, but I'm probably not going to play it again. And I'm certainly not like, I like the puzzles. They're better than 99, but I'm not going to go to someone and say, the puzzles in VLR are amazing. you got to play it for the puzzles. Everyone is playing VLR for the story. Right. And again, that's a visual novel, so maybe not the fairest of comparisons. But, you know, I still think it's a great experience that wouldn't have been the same if it had just been a novel I was reading. It is not presentable in novel format. Like, I mean, sure, you could just have a chapter end and have it restart and be like, oh, everything's rewound. But you don't get that level of interactivity, which changes how you perceive and how you interact with a story. Right. I mean, that's what I've always wanted in video games, is I want video games to take their ability to tell narrative in unique ways. You know, go back to the the big reveal in Bioshock 1. I, I love that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that can only be done in video games. Like... That sort of stuff to me is what sets video games apart, and that's when I get really interested. And you're right. Uh, VLR only works as a video game. I believe John said that in his review. I agree with him. I think Bioshock Infinite only works as a video game. To, to some extent, I would say The Last of Us only works as a video game. Those kinds of experiences are really important to me, and that's when gameplay and narrative come together to make something better than the sum of the two parts. Crisis Core. Yes. Oh God, the ending sequence of Crisis Core. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that on YouTube. I've seen that on YouTube. I really like that. Wow, I would really love to be able to play that game. Yeah. Well, maybe you will be soon, dude. Like again, no spoilers, but like ser- the ending of Crisis Core, the fact that you've already spent so many hours playing that game and like learning the battle system, to have things happen the way they do, and for you to basically be basically be unable to change it, is so cool because they're like playing on your expectations of that system to to give you an, an emotional reaction. Like, yep. not possible outside of the game. Yep. Of course, I'm also, I'm also per- perfectly okay with, you know, the turn-based RPG where you go to a town, go to a dungeon, go home, as long as the story's yeah. good. I don't mind a more traditional presentation of narrative. The thing is, you know, if you're not going to have a good narrative, you got to have good gameplay. If you're not going to have good gameplay, you might want to have something going on. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I mean, that, that gets to what we were talking about before, and you know, possibly an E3 prediction about whether or not we're going to see Fallout 4. It's amazing to me how Bethesda wrote Fallout 3 and how interesting that world was. And then you get to Skyrim and what did you call it? Generic McGenericson? I said it's the genericiest generic that ever generic to generic. Yeah, which is really a shame because Fallout 3 was amazing. Like, Fallout 3 just feels like it's telling all these interesting stories and it's it's really steeped in its lore. And it, it, it was so... Maybe it's just the whole post-apocalyptic thing I find way more interesting. Which brings us to... Segway. Wasteland 2! Wow! 
Holy crap. I went from I, I will you know what guys? I have I told Wait you. Wait a minute. No 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 stop 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 no no moment to shine. Oh okay, so tell the story and then I'll go. And then I'll go. Just wanted to point out that those of our listeners know that Rob has been down on Wasteland since it was announced. And not necessarily for gameplay reasons, but I personally, and again, you know I love you, Rob. I feel as though Rob was letting his disdain for the way the game was marketed make him decide that the game was not going to be any good. No, it didn't make me decide the game wasn't going to be good. It turned me off to the whole thing. I wasn't interested in pursuing it, to be fair. I I will, okay, yes. That's very different from saying it's going to be bad. But you're right. And now I'll point out how I'm an idiot. (laughs) No, I'm not going to point out how you're an idiot. I'm just (laughs) going to say, I am going to point out that I'm at, I I was in South Carolina visiting my family. And I get on Steam for a little bit, and Rob is like, dude, Wasteland has a thing in the main menu. It's it's $50 DLC. I can't believe it. And I'm like, dude, that doesn't make any sense. And, like, he's telling me about it, and he is raging out, like, just, <laughs> you know, as Rob can do. Like, an hour later, you go, dude, it was a joke. And I'm like, what? He's like, you click on it, and it says, just kidding. <laughs> and then you're like, the game is so good. And I'm like... Yeah, um, what I was trying to say before Stephen thoroughly embarrassed me, um, (laughs) I have a new outlook on life. You guys ready for it? I was actually explaining it to some of my colleagues during our end-of-the-year faculty meeting. And they all kind of looked at me strange until I explained it. I have come to the determination that I like to be proven wrong. and I I actually like that, too. I like to be proven wrong because I have a very cynical, snarky outlook on life. Where I have a tendency to be to let my cynicism ride too much whenever I see something, so I'm like, oh boy, here we go, another this, another that, another this. It's kind of like the internet troll mentality, and I really hate the way that my brain always goes to that. Okay, I'm not happy about the fact that my brain goes that, but I I have a lot of data points to point in that direction. That's what you have us for. Well, no, I have a lot of data points to point in that direction as EA announces a new Battlefield before the newest one's been fixed. But what I've decided is I like to be proven wrong because if I'm proven wrong, then that means that my cynical, awful outlook on life is incorrect. And I really like that. So when I clicked on that thing on Wasteland 2's menu, I said, oh, they got me. That's awesome that you guys got me. That's great. I like to be proven wrong. And then I start playing Wasteland 2, and the best way I can describe it is for all of those people that pissed and moaned when they saw Bethesda was making Fallout 3, and they said, we want a modern Fallout game that plays like the old games, guess what? You're getting it in August, and it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. This is a... A turn-based game where you create a party of four with all different abilities. Steven had a guy that could apparently fix a toaster and another guy that could <laughs> spot places well, on maps. Th- there's a stat for, for toaster repair. Like Yes, there is. <laughs> I, I was like, Rob, what is this stat for? And you were like, it lets you fix toasters. And I was like, least helpful response ever. Thank you. <laughs> no, actually, the character Surf Embryon in my party is a pro at fixing toasters. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yes. Just like in real life. There you go. Yes. Just don't stick uh, a knife in it. Also, the joke of, I, I think, to, from what I understand, toasters can, like, have, like, information or treasure in them for some reason. I yeah. don't know. But I'm like, whatever. It's I'll buy it. And it's got... Just like real life. It, it's turn-based exactly. combat is very similar to XCOM. And in some ways, it's kind of amazing that this... So you wait. So you no, wait. no, 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 no. Here's the fun part. 
they've actually managed to outdo XCOM in a lot of ways. It's very clear where you can see uh, the enemy range, the uh, the range of enemy attacks, the range of your attacks. They're doing it so that it's all. It, it's just like Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre, where you know turns take place in between other people's turns. So it's not just hey, all your guys go and then all the enemies go. It's weighty and super violent. Steven, you hit a guy with a shovel and apparently they exploded. <laughs> well. So, yeah, what you're trying to describe is it's Fallout with a party, and that's awesome. Like, it, it, it plays very similarly to the old Fallout, like with AP and, you know, movement ranges, but with a lot of modern, like, information presented to you to make combat a little more easy to follow. Not easier to play, because it's not, it's not babysitting you, and it's actually quite challenging. Um, but, you know, there are, like, conveniences, like being able to see the radius of your attacks and, like, the optimal gun radius and stuff. But yeah, I was playing and I was like, oh, I was a little bummed out to not see any like things like perks where I could get bloody mess because that's what you play Fallout for is, you know, you hit a guy in the toe and his head blows up. But uh, I, I got attacked by some raiders and I ran up and I hit one guy in the, with, in the gut with a knife and then his body blew up. Yep. And I was like, well, that didn't make any sense, but I'm okay with it. It, it is turn-based Fallout, so I guess it's very similar to Fallout Tactics, which I never played. Well, Fallout 1 and 2 have the exact same kind of combat right? as, as Fallout Tactics. It's just Fallout Tactics, you could have a party, and there just wasn't a very fun game built around Fallout Tactics. Yeah, the, the writing in the game is outstanding. They have a nice little descriptor bar in the bottom right-hand corner that kind of narrates your journey and what you see. The voice acting has been really good from what I've seen of it so far. It's got a really great survival vibe the best you thing uh I... the Go conversations ahead. are cool too like oh yeah when you're talking to people you know so you get your pop-ups of like you know if they give you like a term you know you can ask about that term but you can also type anything you want in so if you if you pay attention to the world you can find like terms that somebody doesn't mention to you and ask them about it and get new information so like oh, if you're well. out and you you hear like a pack of raiders like talking about something you know like oh there's a vault over there not this is just a hypothetical you know, you can go to somebody who's an expert in the area and type, like, what is the vault? And they'll, they'll like, be like, oh, yeah, this thing. So there's a really cool, like, conversational aspect to it that isn't just canned preset phrases that is quite compelling, actually. What and you, do you know about the Wild Rose? Have you seen any sailors? Tell me the airship. There's got to be somebody... In- there's got to be somebody in the game that you can ask about sailors. Uh, also, you get perks like uh, whether or not you're a badass in conversation or a smooth talker. And since you have four party members, you can kind of go back and forth between the four party members. And maybe you don't want to be a badass to this guy or you want to try to smooth talk through this. It just – it feels it, – it's and those, a, are, and those are separate from the charisma stat too. So yeah. like you could have a really blunt, terrible badass who's horrible at convincing people but just angry and mean. Hulk smash it it feels like a modern fallout or a modern uh a Baldur's gate which is what i've really wanted i, th- I think you know gamers have really wanted these intricate pc games but you know i, I was telling steven on the pre-show warm-up playing the original fallout wasn't a very pleasant experience by today's standards like you know inventory management and this that it, it just was kind of clunky this game feels modern, but still has those old-school, hardcore conventions. And, you know, I think gamers are in for a real treat in August. This game shot up to the top of my most-wanted list for this year. Like, I went from being, you know, oh, this looks interesting, but I'm not too sure of it, to holy hell, I am going to get this. This is really, really cool. I actually... La- I, I actually... What's wanted. that? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I... I uh... 
I didn't play Fallout 1 and 2 as a kid, you know, when they came out, and I tried to go back and play Fallout 2 um, probably, like, two years ago, and I, I don't I think we talked about it on the podcast, but it didn't really work for me. Um, it was just too archaic for me, and I felt like I didn't really have the nostalgia attached to help power me through the learning curve, so this sounds like it's exactly what I wanted it to be, so I'm going to check it out. Yep. Yeah, definitely check it out, and what's what's amusing is that we got the preview code for it, and I took it, and then forgot that I had actually backed Torment at the level that I got a free copy. So I'm going to be giving somebody a free copy of Wasteland 2 when it comes out. <laughs> so me, right? Sure. Possibly. See how drunk you get him at E3. It's, he's going to get pretty drunk because uh, I, I, still, <laughs> I owe him a beer for beating uh, Persona 4 on very hard. And then what, he did something else recently. Oh, I owe him a beer because uh, his birthday just passed. So that's not going to be you. a beer. That's going to be probably like a hard drink. Whenever he wants. And then I, I'm going to owe him one more beer just for being a cool guy. Aww. So first night's drinking is on me. Yeah, yes, you I owe Derek a beer as well. Now I'm saying? Now I'm <sighs> Rob, so you get nothing. I understand. I can pay for my own beer. That's fine. Wow. Uh, Wasteland 2. Really, really impressive. Really excited. I, I hope to get a preview written when we get back from E3. I want to spend a little bit more time with the preview build. Get a little bit further. Uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty long. Uh, there's going to be a lot to the game. There's a lot of exploration, a lot of areas that you don't have to visit, but you definitely can. It, the world it, map works just like Fallout, which is awesome. I love the Fallout world map system. Yep, it, it's really cool. I, I think you know it, it's definitely um, in beta right now. It's got some got some problems here and there for a game that's still a couple months away. But overall, I'm just really, really excited. And keep in mind, like this was one of the biggest Kickstarter games. This was one of the first Kickstarter games. It, it hit the ground running. You know, got this huge groundswell of support. They've had to delay the game a couple times, but it you know lights at the end of the tunnel, and it looks really, really good. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because like a lot of the big Kickstarters have been coming out and being like really good. Like Banner Saga was amazing. Broken Age was awesome. Uh, this is shaping up to be awesome. So I'm like, oh, I'm glad all the big, like, so far we have, you know, there was all that doom and gloom where, oh, the big Kickstarter games are going to come out, and if they're bad, Kickstarter is going to implode on itself. And I'm sure there will be bad games that come out, but it's pretty nice to see that, you know, the passion of these people is not going unrewarded. Yeah, and and the pace of their combat is interesting. Like, you know, I, I didn't get as far into Shadowrun Returns as I kind of wanted to. I need to give that another try. I just, oh, I, I beat that the other day. I, I just didn't feel like its pace of combat was where I wanted it to be, but Wasteland 2's feels right where it should be. Like, it's short, it's snappy, it's violent, it's visceral. It doesn't hang around too much. They actually incentivize you to kind of plan out because you usually get the jump on raiders and stuff, and so you can kind of plan where your guys should be and then go out and make the first initial attack. It, just, it feels really good. Very positive. Agree. Very positive. Okay, we ready to talk about E3? Or, Steven, you had one more game to talk about, didn't you? Well, yeah, I'll just mention it briefly. It's the Dempamen 3, and I've been playing it for review, and I really, really didn't like it at first. Because uh, I didn't realize until like five hours in that you could... At first, I thought you could only give two commands. You could give conserve or go all out. And you didn't have individual control over your party, which grows to up to eight people. Uh, and then I figured out last night, or like the other night, when I accidentally tapped the touchscreen, I was like, oh, you can issue individual commands. Great. Uh, so it's this game where you use the camera and the motion sensor to capture these little creatures called Denpamen, who have horrifyingly annoying voices. Um... And ugly, ugly, terrible, ugly faces. They, they look like me's, basically. 
Um, so I don't know the history behind this series, but it's a turn-based RPG. You know, you collect these little monsters, and you know, you you know, you build your city, and you know, you can collect certain numbers of them, and each one has like a special skill and different stats, and you know, they level up. So you mix and match your party based on like theoretically your situation, and you know, there's a lot of customization in like an Animal Crossing vein, I guess. Like you can put furniture in your house and decorate it, and it doesn't seem to do much other than like cosmetics. So you know, it's it's sort of like the of a collectophile's dream. Um, like there's a lot to it that is fun if you just like a game. It's easy, and you know, you can kind of spend some hours, you know, collecting Denpamen, going to the dungeon for a little bit, explore the world map. Um, I don't know what I think of it yet. Like, it's weird, and the story's dumb. Like, it, it's it's very, you know, it, the story feels like it's aimed at, like, five-year-olds. Oof. Um, no, no, I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, I legitimately think this is a game that's sort of aimed at a younger audience. Oh, okay, that's different. Um, but, you know, it's it's not bad. Like, the writing is, is, is good. It's just, you know, it's nothing, you know, they're not telling me the story of Fei Fong Wong. They're telling me the story of Hey, Squelch stole Crystal. We have to go save her. And the Denver men are like, let's go over there and get it. Like, that's how they talk. Uh, yep. uh, but there's a lot, you know, there's a good amount of customization to it. So it's it's certainly entertaining. It's just too soon for me to say much else about it. Like, I thought I was farther, but it's a pretty big game, especially for a downloadable game. I guess just what turns me off it is I just think all the Denver men look stupid. So I'm like, not really compelled to die my Denver men or do like things to customize their houses because i'm like you have an ugly face and you're like an orange blob with a like a saturn ring around your head and it's just it's weird and sort of like blandish but i think it's a it's kind of like rune factory only if rune factory instead of being harvest moon and a and a like an action rpg was a turn-based rpg and animal crossing so like it's certainly not a bad game it's quick the combat's snappy music is actually really cool um you know, and it, it can be challenging at times. You know, it's a little grindy, but I, I'm not willing to say it's a bad game or even an okay game, but it's just, I, I think it might be a little bit uh, light for what I usually like to play. Yeah, it is kind of light. I um, I just got a an eShop credit the other day because I forgot about the Wii U Digital Deluxe promotion where, like, if you bought, if you bought the Wii U, uh, the Deluxe set, for the first, I think, year at least of ownership, everything you buy on the eShop, you get uh, 10% back, like in points. And every 500 points, you get a uh, $5 credit. So I had just gotten the free game because I've been playing me some Mad Mario Kart. And uh, it came with the, the free Club Nintendo game. So I downloaded that, and that counted for points. So that brought me up to enough for $5. Really long-winded introduction there that you didn't need. But so I was trying to decide what to buy with $5. So I was asking people. And uh, I almost got Denpaman, but then I realized there was a demo of it. So I downloaded the demo, and I wasn't really loving it. Um, so I'm glad that I only got the demo. But yeah, the game is very... It's its like a very simple... Uh, it's its like you said, it's a simple RPG, I think, for collectaholics. And, um, like, you know, kids would really enjoy it. Like, And I don't say that to disparage it at all, and certainly not that an adult couldn't enjoy it, too. But yeah, like, I, I, I agree with you. Like, collectaholics is, will have a field day with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's not the deepest game. It certainly has more features, because I remember I played the demo of Denpaman 1, and this one has a lot more stuff as far as, uh, like you said, with the room decorating and a lot of town stuff. 
um, extra features like you can share QR codes with friends. I don't know if that was in the first one or not, but that's kind of cool. Like if you want to share your Denpim in with other people, the only thing that I don't really like is it's pretty much just random. Like you just catch ran like Denpim that look random. Yeah, have, like have random names and stuff. Like I, I don't really care if Lorenzo has a a hard antenna and cast light heal. Like I want to do it myself and create. Actually, my I have a Denpim named Joffrey, and that amuses me to no yeah. end. But yeah, like, uh, like they're like, go catch more Dempermen. I'm like, now nah, I have a full party. I don't need more Dempermen. Why would I do that? Like, no. <laughs> like, and I think part of that is just that I'm not into the monster collecting style of game at all. Like, I just, I, I need more impetus than make your monsters good. Like, I love it in Shin Megami Tensei because there's a lot more there. But like, it's kind of why I don't play Pokemon and why I don't play like, you know, like I didn't get into the, the Dream Eaters in Dream Drop Distance except what I needed to to get abilities. Oh, I didn't like those at all. See, I've said this time and time again. If I want to play a game with Pokemon elements, I'm going to play Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't care about capturing generic monsters in other games. And Dentaman commits that same, I don't want to say sin, but, you know, it has that same issue where you're just catching generic little dudes that I don't care about. So that doesn't yeah. make me ha- have any interest or investment in, the, in raising them up. So. And they the don't look cool. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the only other game besides Pokemon that I would really care about collecting monsters in would be, like, Dragon Quest monsters. And even then, I think some of those designs are kind of lame. But, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. That, that uh, Master the segue here. We can now get into uh, E3 predictions. We're going to see Dragon Quest Seven on 3DS? Oh, I hope so. I really want that game. <laughs> I, I You say that every time. And I feel I like you don't know what you want. Dude, they've ironed out the beginning and i like dragon quest games i just didn't like dragon quest 9 that much because the there really wasn't a party like they're the i like the characters in dragon quest like they're whimsical yeah. and i know that that word just hurts steven's soul so whimsy 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 no not like, all the time i, <laughs> I thought you I were have, crying I, out I, pain. <laughs> I have since i have since revised my revised my position on whimsy i no longer hate it simply for existing like you know i can i can dig a little whimsy here and there yeah, I, but I, I do hope they announce that. I, I feel like it's not super likely to happen. Um, I see a lot of first-party Nintendo stuff being announced, so like a bunch of new first-party 3DS and Wii U games, because uh, Mario Kart actually is doing a really good job of, of selling software for sure. I, I love how the net has taken to being like, Mario Kart sold incredibly well, like more than any other Wii U game by far, but Nintendo was still doomed. Oh my god. And it's well, like, well, really... The- they we, love we the narrative. Well, we what they are saying, the only thing I agree with what they're saying, like, I agree, like, every, like, I love Polygon, but right now every article on Polygon is, here's why the Wii U is doomed. Here's how, you know, um, but I, I, I like that sort of, like, some of their stuff is challenging, but whatever, not not on topic. But, like, people are saying, yeah, it's, it's selling incredibly well, but the problem is overall it's not going to have as, it's going to be the worst selling Mario Kart due to the simple fact that there aren't enough Wii U's for it to outsell Double Dash. Well, and I, I think, Derek, you also got to keep in mind that that always happens whenever a publisher... Okay, this is going to sound really mean, so you got to let me finish it. But whenever a publisher screws up, people like that publisher or that company or whatever to get their just desserts. So with EA and, you know, all the the Mass Effect craziness and all that, they, they wanted that company. That's why that company got named Worst Company in America, for God's sake. It's not like they're taking their employees out and shooting them. But, like, that's why it got named Worst Company in America two years running or something. When Sony charged $600 for a PlayStation 3 and they fell on their face because of it, the internet was 
eating them alive. When when Microsoft did the same thing with all their DRM stuff, and then they backed off on it, you know, the internet ate them alive. I don't think anybody was looking at the Wii U and going, you know what, that's what we want out of our next console. And that that's where I would say Nintendo's misstep was. And nobody wants to dance on the grave of Nintendo if Nintendo is producing something that is making everybody happy. But the fact is that the titles haven't been there. They're starting to happen. We know there's going to be a Zelda. We know there's going to be a Mario Kart. Those titles are going to be there, but they've lost third-party support. Oh, hey, is- E3 prediction, there's going to be a Metroid announced. Sorry. Oh God! I hope so. Please, please. You know please. what? I hope so, but I don't think I'm that lucky. They, oh, see, this I, is my world. No, dude, again. they're they're nope. announcing one. It's coming. I think if they announce it, I think it's going to be like a a 3DS one, and it's going to be like a side scroller with 3D graphics, a la Kirby Triple Deluxe, or you know, New Super Mario that's Brothers. That's what I would want. That's that's I, what I, I actually think that gonna. I think there will be a 3DS one announced and a Wii U one. And, and I, I think they'll have some kind of connect. I think they'll have some kind of connectivity. And I actually am going to go as far as to say I think the Wii U one will have 2D or 2D plane but 3D graphics. I think you're insane. I don't. I think a 3DS one is possible, not likely. I think I hate Team Ninja and what they did to Metroid, and I think the damage is going to be felt for a long time. I mean, who makes it? Who's who's going to make it? I don't care. I, no, I, mean, I, like, I don't know. Retro? Nintendo? Is it retro? I mean, has Tropical Freeze come out? Yeah, that's out. Like, and apparently it's really good, but like, that's the thing is Nintendo can have, we forget Nintendo has a ton of teams, including just their internal teams. Like they're not wanting for people to make content. And that's the thing is like, I'm not in love with Nintendo's games, but the fact is they are consistently producing games that are well-reviewed. Not always like amazing, but like Mario Kart 8 came out and it's blowing people's faces off. Yeah. I, I just, I don't I know. really want to play it too. And I, I don't even like Mario Kart. Well, I mean, I, I do, but I don't love it's it. It's really fun. It's so good. Like, I was so apathetic to Mario Kart on both Wii and 3DS. Uh, I, I didn't. I just didn't care about either of them. I think a lot of it was because I, I thought the tracks in the Wii version were boring, and I thought the 3DS one was just, like, not super fun because I couldn't really play it with people. So I missed this on the big screen stuff, and I think 8 nails it. I know we're not really talking about it today, but we played, like, a... I played with Jeremy. Um, Jeremy's one of our news editors. He was hired on a few months ago. He's one of my buddies. Yay! Nepotism. Uh, no, he actually does a great job. But we were we played like six hours or more on release day over the weekend. It was fantastic. But um, I think <laughs> it is gonna, it is going to take more than more than a, yeah that would be good. Uh, it, it's definitely going to take more than just this one game to move the system. I think that my thing is I think Nintendo needs to drop the gamepad. They're never going to. Because it's it's built into how they want the system to work, um, but I think the gamepad was just what made the Wii U arrive kind of dead in the water. I I'm not a doom and gloomer for the most part, but um, See, I just I, I hope they get it together. <laughs> I I agree that I think dropping the gamepad might spur sales, but it's not like the console is that expensive anyway. And it's not really. And like, right now you get an incredibly good bundle. It's like three twenty nine for the system with I think two games and an extra controller. Dude, I'm so close. I want Mario Kart something fierce, it's and I don't so even know why. Good. Like, it's... I don't even love Mario Kart, but man, bring a redo E3. <laughs> but Anywho. Uh, my, my thing with them dropping the gamepad is that I like that Microsoft dropped the Kinect requirement, and I think that's great for the consumer. Microsoft is not a company that supports hardware once they think it's dead. Right. Microsoft is a company who says, yeah, we're going to be supporting this for long into the future. Then I can't they just... believe they straight up were like, nope, forget Kinect, we're done. Well, they say we're still we're still supporting Connect. 
And then they released the patch that says the Kinect resources have been freed up to make games look better. And I'm like, I get exactly why that was done. It's great for people who own Xbox Ones. But Microsoft is full of garbage to such a de degree when they say we're still going to support Kinect. The current spate of Kinect games are going to come out. They're never going to be in Kinect games again. No one's going to cover it. And they're already freeing up the resources. You can't, like, the developer can't program a game with the assumption that somebody might have Connect and that somebody else might not have it. Microsoft is done with Connect, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, move. It's the move controller. It's the same thing. Oh, yeah. It does, doesn't PS4 theoretically support move? It does. And there's, like, a game or two that uses it, too. And apparently yeah. the PS camera is still sold out. Like, people want it. I just, I'm happy we've gotten away from this motion controller garbage. Anywho, uh, so Nintendo, I, I, I personally think Metroid's a long shot. I think we're going to see a teaser for the new Zelda. I don't think we're going to see a yeah, long that's, stage that's demo. Yet. Yeah, we're it's not going to come out until probably after next E3, is my guess. Yeah, I'd say next holiday season. I think, it, I think it's like farther out than FF15. I think it's going to hit the same time as FF15. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of FF15, does it get a large stage demo? No. No, it's going uh, to get. Square already trailer. announced what it's got, a which is trailer, a new trailer. Right? I'm guessing it's going to be a new trailer with a little bit more gameplay and some cutscenes. I think yep. that is a holiday 2015 title. Uh, I think like mid, like maybe summer next year. Mm. In Japan. Like yeah, yeah, like maybe like August 2015. And then release here November-ish. Or think... you know what? They, they've actually they've been trying to get these worldwide releases a little bit closer to one another. So I would really, really like it if they got that game out worldwide at the same so time. So does that mean I was r r r r r r r wrong? No, I think I was wrong. E three hasn't happened yet. I revised my position. Oh, for God's sake! Oh yeah, it hasn't gonna, happened yet. They're going to announce Final Fantasy fifteen for release before January twenty fifteen. Yeah, you're right, Stephen. I revised that. I no longer think that. <laughs> uh, what about... Um, they are going to announce a PS3 slash Vita HD version of Type-0 coming out here. That would... Oh, yes. God, oh. I would be so I, my That is my... I could be totally wrong, but my giant prediction is that Type-0 will be announced at the show. Yeah. I Man, I would be, be very so happy. stoked. And um, I just heard a rumor today that uh, Square Enix started work on FF12 HD. I mean, that's just it's just a rumor. But <laughs> 10 HD sold better than I think they expected, or at least it did really well, as well as they expected. Better so, than Lightning Returns. God, that's because it was better than Lightning Returns, and that game was made <laughs> 10 years ago. So uh, I, I really hope that that's a thing. Like FF10 HD, or sorry, 12 HD on Vita and PS. Like, do PS4 and Vita. Oh my God. Please. Yep. Please. <sighs> I I think the Vita is going to be Left for Dead, not what? the game Left for Dead. I think the Vita is only going to be. I would play that on Vita. I, I think the Vita is only going to be tangentially talked about with relation to indie titles, unfortunately, and the PlayStation Now. But I don't I think, think we're going to see. It's going to get a few games. It's going. They're going to show Gravity Days too. I'm sure. Bioshock Infinite. Oh yes. Bi Bioshock Infinite. Why would they show Bioshock Infinite on Vita? Because remember, Ken Levine was on stage with a Vita in his hand saying how amazing it, it was. Saying that was a really long time ago, and yeah, he was talking about I, the first I Bioshock. Know, I'm being and he already said that's not going to happen. I'm being facetious. That's why I'm saying that we're going to see nothing for Vita. Except for Gravity Days, I too. Think, I think the Vita is going to... I don't know. You're right. I think it's not going to have like a huge presence at Sony's conference. 
Um, I think there's going to be a, a good amount of announcements just sort of made on the side. And I think the Vita is going to continue to thrive for a long time as a maybe like more of a niche system like the PSP became. Because the PSP just turned into like RPG machine. And that's and, what Vita is now. There's so many games coming out for Vita that are like yeah. JRPGs. Do you guys think that that bundle is going to happen in America? There's yes. listing in Oh, France. easy. I think, I think gift. the price is going to be Hold bad. on. Let me, get, let me let the listeners know. Jeez. They know. No, they might not. In, Fran- uh, in Amazon France, there is a PlayStation 4 Vita bundle that is going on pre-order. And, Stephen, do you think it is coming to America? Yes. There you go. I, I'm just trying. It's radio, guys. It's not just us talking. It's radio. we got to work here a little bit. Ooh. Oh, God. Her? Her? I thought you were going to make a coming to America joke, and I was going to be really happy, but I think I'm the only one here that's seen it. I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. It's a great Eddie Murphy movie. Stop it. Uh, oh! Yeah, it's really funny. It's really funny. Uh, is it as funny as Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby? Oh, my God. Is anything as funny as Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby? No. Not oh really. God. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, so, I don't think... Fallout 4. Yeah, your name. Um, I'm leaning towards. I'm gonna lean towards yes. Uh, I'm leaning toward nay. I don't know. I think, but I think that's that's just a a clear cut difference in our outlooks. Like, I I tend to look on the the optimist the optimistic side, and you're more. I think at the most we would see a teaser trailer, but I don't even think we're gonna get that. I think there's too much radio silence. Like the thing is, what's Bethesda got other than the Evil Within right now? I just think Fallout 4 might be further along, uh, uh, as in it might be further out. Um, You know, one of the comments I was going to make is uh, Jeff Gersman was talking on Giant Bomb like two weeks ago, and I think because he had gotten a lot of information at the pre-E3 stuff, but he was saying like this E3 is going to be the year of 2015, and we've seen a lot of games get delayed in the past month. Uh, the the order got delayed. Um, Batman. Yeah, and the Batman one really pisses me off. I'm sorry, that game just got announced. They knew that game was going to be delayed. That really pissed me off. They they say, oh yeah, that game's coming out in October. Here, pre- get your pre-orders, get your you know special Batman stickers or whatever. And then a month later, they delay it. Oh, come on, that's disgusting to me. That was really bad. They had to know. Uh, Witcher 3 is only, you know, that's February, which is pretty good. But it, there's a lot of games coming out in 2015. Now, my question to you guys is, is this, you know, cynical versus positive? Is this a, it's taking the developers longer to make these games than they anticipate? Or is this, hey, we're seeing that games are successful at any point in the year. It doesn't just have to be the holiday season. So why rush a game and potentially release something that is glitchy and not as good as it could be? Why not take the time to add the extra layer of polish Isn't to that it? what every dev should be striving for regardless? I would agree with you, but that's why I'm asking the question. Is this coming because of necessity? Is this coming because literally these games could not be released? Or is it coming from, hey... Our market outlook is looking better over the course of the year. We're seeing more big games coming out in February, March, April, every month out of the year. Summer still gets a little light here and there, uh, especially in the July region. But, you know, this could be a real positive thing, like you're saying, Derek. I'm just wondering, is this coming out of necessity or is this, you know, the developers are saying, hey, we're not hamstrung to only release around the holiday season? I think it's coming out of we released all of our last-gen games this year, and we weren't ready to release our next-gen games yet. Yeah. yeah. I so think it's I just a matter that they weren't done with anything. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Does anybody get excited for Destiny? I feel like that is becoming kind of like. I'm I mean, it's, still, it. it's coming out this year still. Yeah, I mean, it is yeah, September. The, the, the last set of previews, it, it, kind of weird what's happening in the industry right now with a, a lot of previews being so negative Nancy. Uh, we saw those Evil Within previews of PAX. The last big reveal for Destiny, a bunch of people came back with a giant meh. Like, is well, that just... kind of how it should be. I mean, like, I think uh, the practice of writing previews has always been to be more a lot more objective. Just to sort of be like a cut and dry description of here is what the game is. Here are the mechanics it has. And I, I actually think it's kind of good that we're shifting towards actually giving a an accurate description of what's happening well now Uh, to to argue with you a little bit in a friendly way is it then appropriate for a preview not naming any names to say something along the lines of yeah the story doesn't really make sense after they played one chapter and no because that's because they don't have they don't have the entirety of the game to base it on like you, you have to take into consideration like what portion of the finished product you have available with a preview. Gotcha. And or, like, if the developer is showing it to them in a closed-door setting, the developer is obviously going to be telling them what kind of limitations are in place or, like, how far along in development it is or what kind of features haven't been implemented yet. So as long as those kinds of things are taken into consideration, fine. Like, if there are things that are clearly going to be broken unless they do something about it, then, yeah, talk about it. Gotcha. But, but I think uh, as long as you're mindful of that, then it's okay to... Yeah, I, I was just, you know previews have been very interesting to read lately and i i don't know if that's the direction for games journalism right now the sensationalist journalism is really starting to piss me off i don't even like to look i don't even like to look at n4g anymore because it's always like here's why this is going to suck and i'm just like weird i I, I really just i don't like the buzzfeed style of reporting that's getting to be really popular with i don't either it's like seven reasons why the beast uh, you know, whatever. Project Beast is going to be the best game ever. Like, just, I wrote that. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> talk like a normal person. I just think that pe- people see those numbers and it's it's one of those clickbaity kind of things. So I really don't like that. Um, I do think, because as I've... I mean, I've changed my writing style since I started working at RPG Fan. I, I definitely used to follow the very scripted template of, you know, this is the game's gameplay. Check. Graphics. Check. Uh, sound. Check. And I try to play around with it a little bit more um, in terms of how I put stuff together. So I think that, because I, I think that was the thing with a lot of the industry where game reviews really were just this very systematic evaluation of the game piece by piece. Right. And I think that people are starting to understand that we should be looking at them in a, a little bit of a different light. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that shift, but not so much the like blogger style reporting of, you're not going to believe this. or um, I hate that. You want... We played the evil within. You won't believe what we saw. Exactly. It's the same thing everybody else who played it saw. Extreme, extreme doom and gloom that's like way over the top, I think, sometimes. Especially when all the previews release at the exact same time. Like, Steven just got done talking about the evil within. Like, to see all the previews for that game go live, and it seemed like they were all trying to one-up each other a little bit. Like, one preview says, you know, hey, this game was really good. Another preview says, you know, it was pretty good, but here are some questions. Another preview is like, this is why it sucked. And it actually says it in the headline title. I'm just like, you know... Is this really the word clickbait? sucks does not belong in journalism. No, it doesn't. It really yeah, doesn't. It's, it's a very. Uh, I mean, I say that we say the word sucks in casual conversation all the time, but when you're when you're trying to actually like professionally and eloquently describe how something has issues, you need to give more of an explanation than just it sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, Project Beast. Ten reasons why it's going to be awesome. Go. It sucks. <laughs> I, I, I think Project Beast is going to be Sony's big thing at their conference. 
I wouldn't say big thing, but I think that's going to be like the crowd pleaser. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be the thing that like this is our hardcore flame bait or not flame bait, but our hardcore uh, fanboy bait. And it's going to get people really excited. Uh, Last Guardian. I think it gets not it's a full trailer. It, yeah, it's going to get an I move to PS4 trailer. And that's and that's all we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to cry because Jeebus. Or they're going to blow our minds. And hey, did like... I tell you that's, that's my next tattoo, though? Is the, I'm getting the, the, weak, the sigil, the weak, the weak spot from Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, cool. That's my next one. Wasn't it different on every one of them or no? Um, no, when you, when you stabbed them, it was it was like the same thing with like a different outline, I think. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, they have like the same basic design. Some of them are stylized a little bit differently. Yeah. Okay, uh, God of War four is gonna make me cry. I don't care. That's why. That's the reason why I'm gonna cry because I, I love care. Sony Santa Monica and I want them to do something new. They're not Sony Santa Monica is not coming to E3. What is what what is uh, that game company doing? They're working on something, yeah. Uh, duh, duh. Aren't they? Because I remember Journey came out a while ago. So I know that they're definitely working on it. Journey something. 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, that according sucks. To their, according to their website, our next game after Journey is currently developed and will be self-published. Release date platforms to be announced. In the meantime, we're hiring. Hey. I have a depressing prediction. Is it no. that you're not going to make any friends at E3? Uh, we all know that's true. That's... Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say no Persona Five information. They already gonna, said that. Yeah. Yeah. They, Atlas already said it will not be at the show at all. But that's, that's okay. Wow. That's okay. That's okay because Persona Q, Persona Dancing, and uh, Ultimax. Some, Ultimax are there, and Q is looking amazing, and music is amazing. Uh, I right, think so Persona when Five we get, is summer. I think when we Persona get to the Atlas gonna be booth, summer. Uh, how are we gonna decide who gets to play Junpei? I, you guys can all f- have Junpei. I don't get the obsession with Junpei. He's amazing, and you bad, haven't gotten man. far enough yet. Doesn't uh, understand anything about okay, life. I'm still playing portable. All right, give me a break yeah. here. Well, uh, I mean, he's a likable guy to start with, and then he has the most interesting character development of ever, anyone in the game. Does Q have any kind... Is it just a dungeon crawler, pure and simple? Basically. Um, like It's like a tree in Odyssey. But Persona style? Mm. Yeah, it doesn't have social links as far as I know, if that's what you're asking. Okay, maybe if the exploration element's good enough. I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not but, sold on that for me. You know what I mean? But, it, like, not but, the, exploration, exactly. but the exploration is all Etrian Odyssey is about. I've never played an Etrian Odyssey game. We keep I trying like to tell you that. It's so right. good. All right, all right, all right. Well, you're going to find out in four days. Okay. Phantom Dust 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, I actually, actually pushed me to buy a, a, a one also. I already said if they announce Phantom Dust 2, I will buy an Xbox One in LA. Uh, if it's Phantom Dust HD, I will not. Unless it has like new stuff in it. Because I've already played Phantom Dust a lot. And I, I suspect it might also just be Phantom Dust HD. Xeno- but I could be wrong. Xenogears Origins, go. What? What? That's the supposed title for X. Oh, no. Don't believe that for a second. But I, I do want them to show more. I mean, it's it's on the docket, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to show something about it. I feel like I've been um, seeing that game for a long time. I know, me too. It's 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 kind of got it's got a little bit of FF15 syndrome right now, where it's like, Ooh, okay, I've been doing about it for so long, and I, don't, I still don't know anything about it. I just know it exists. And they've shown that. They did show that one teaser trailer 
Um, well, slightly longer than teaser trailer that had some gameplay and it looked out of this world cool, but I we don't know who the characters are, you know, what kind of story it has. And I was in college when I first saw Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> that's just not right. Kingdom I, Hearts Three, not there. I graduated high school. No, uh, I think Kingdom Hearts Three will have a trailer. Nope. I think it'll have a trailer, and that'll be it. I don't think it's going to have very much more than last year's, but I think it's going to have the trailer. Deus Ex 2. No. No, they... Oh, that's a shame. I don't know. Maybe. I I think that's a studio that needs to get its S together. (laughs) It's square together? I agree! Uh, I tried to play Thief again. Oh, my God. (laughs) Speaking of games that start with T that are coming out from Square Enix, Theater Rhythm Curtain Call. Oh, my God. Oh my god, like, probably my most wanted game this year. Really? Yeah, I think that yes. and Wasteland 2 are my most I wanted I want it right so now. bad. Do you have any idea how much I played the original Theater Rhythm and how much I foamed at the mouth for it? Should, should, I, mean, I, should I get I, it? Yeah, well, you, you said you like have rhythm no rhythm games? Rhythm. I have, have no rhythm. But do you like rhythm games? Um, yeah, to an extent, yeah. I, th- I think it's a really accessible rhythm game, and this one it, has a lot heavier RPG elements. It has, like, a quest mode. Um, it has, like, over 60 characters from... There's, I think... There's it's three that does it have selfies train song? No. Well, I mean, no. It has train train take me away. You've brought that up several times. I, mean, I know, and when I, I don't see think you, selfie ever sings that song. No, she does, but it's just you never actually hear the song. It just says train train take me away. It's just like, uh. I can't wait for that game though. I've, yeah, I've been doing the Persona Q thing where I've been obsessing about like who's my party gonna be. Oh my gosh, I know who my party's going to be. Ramza, and then Zidane, and some other people. But they have Agrius, too, from Tag. Oh, she's so cool. Wait, it she's... Wa- oh, you know what? Awesome. You know, You know what else I like about it, too? It comes with all of the songs from the first game, and not just the ones in it, but all the DLC. Right. So, and like, then... you are getting every single song that you possibly could have had in the first one, and then, like, a hundred more. Dragon right. Age Inquisition. Uh, they're going to show was... stuff. Yeah. Does it get delayed? I think it gets a release date. It already has a release date. Does it get it does. delayed? When's the release date? <laughs> it's like October. I don't think it gets delayed. I don't think so either because it's cross-gen, so I have a hard time believing that that would get delayed. Uh-huh. I think that's coming out this year. Yeah, I, I'm excited. That. Yeah, I'm actually... Um, I get warmer and warmer on that the more I hear. You know, like, it looks like Same Skyrim, but I, I kind of don't care because... The thing is, if it's Skyrim, but with more tactically combat and with Bioware writing, the ending of Mass Effect 3, now I'm the standing, um, I'm really excited about it. Like, I think it will be a really fun game. Yeah, Dragon Age, the world of Dragon Age Origins was awesome. I was really, really into that world. Uh, Mass Effect 4. No. Uh, I, think, I, think, I, think, yes. I, I think it gets unveiled. Yep, I think you see a trailer and... You know what I think? I think you see Shepard. I don't think you see Shepard. I think it's... I don't want it to be, but I think it's a prequel. I think it's First Contact War, and I think I'm going to be pissed when that happens. Why? Because they made their bed. They need to effing sleep in it. (laughs) (laughs) I know what happens in the Contact War. I played Mass Effect. (laughs) Don't go... Like, the thing is, they do Contact War, they go back and retcon a bunch of stuff. And we end up with a Star Wars prequel syndrome... Where they start trying to put little hooks in that are like, yeah, that total BS we made up with the Reapers. Yeah, look, see, it has been around forever. Poke, poke. 
Have you guys heard the rumor that's going around Disney right now that they might just decanonize the original, the, not the original, the new trilogy? What? That's been floating around, like, on a couple news sites, people saying there's some scuttlebutt at Disney to just say episode one, two, and three didn't happen. I know that stunned silence is exactly what I said was just like, you know, at first you sit there and go, there's no way. And then you remember it's Disney. I don't know. I mean, so I really don't care for those movies. But but I don't know how I feel about decanonizing them all together. That seems a bit extreme. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I see why they would do it perfectly well, but I'm kind of apathetic about the whole thing. I'm going to go out on a limb. Okay, crazy prediction. Here we go. KOTOR 3. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. I don't think we're going to see any Star Wars games at E3, though. I think think we'll see Battlefront, for sure. I don't don't think they're far enough along, though. Oh, Battlefront's had over a year. You could show something. I don't know, an an at-at walking across the snow again. At-at, here we go, I That's all you could do. Piloted by the bad guy from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's what I think you'll see. Um... You know what I think would be cool? It's mm. completely, like, not going to happen. Is if they merged... you remember Agni's philosophy? Yeah. That, that Square Enix CG thing? With the AK-47s, really cool. yeah. <laughs> I think it would yeah, be cool if they, if they merged that into FF15, like she was she was one of the characters or something, and that was in the same world, but... Cause the, that would uh, be really cool. 15 does have, like, guns and stuff, so... I, it also has, like, 900 dudes and, like, two girls in the entire game. Right, that's also why. And so. all the dudes look the same. Well, well that's the that's the problem with going with that more modern setting is that they're just wearing like modern fantasy sci-fi clothes. Okay, Rob. So do you want them to look more like the cast of FF13? Ah, uh, good point. Good yeah, point. <laughs> no, no. Okay, the look of the cast of Final Fantasy 13 doesn't bother me, except for what's her face, the Kiwi that doesn't talk right. I, I what? What What is her name? The, the young. Kiwi? She She definitely has a Kiwi accent. Vanille. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Oh. Kiwi? It's called an Australian accent. Whatever. What I the hate. Hell is a kiwi. I hate her. Ah. Uh, ah. It's like New Zealand. Ah. Rob, you are That's... a very hateful person. I hate. It's actually kind of funny because I'm watching the the pre Leviathan cutscene in 14 right now, and there are monsters going ah at the same time Rob is doing it, but I haven't muted. <laughs> so it's just them going ah with the the motion, but Ross, Rob's. Like, <laughs> my cats know I mean business when I start hissing and they're looking at me right now. No, Vanille is just terrible. Uh, do we I see... disagree with you, but that's okay. Really? You like yeah. Vanille? I, I think she actually had interesting development. Yeah, she, like I, I liked her light personality. She's a, with the... She's a bubbly person, but bubbly people exist in real life. Yep, there, there we go. I just threw up in my mouth. Thanks, Derek. She, she's a bubbly person who has like darker things going on. You know? And, well, I do, I do agree that some of her battle yeah. are a little bit over the top, but she covers up her sadness by being cheerful. Like, people do that in real life, man. And I'm not saying that 13 has, like, the best writing or anything, but I, I don't think she's a bad character. I say no new IP out of Square Enix, and that sucks. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I really want them to... Well, it's not a new IP at all, but there, there is a new saga something happening... Um, it's probably going to be some mobile crap, but yeah, I was they, just going to say that well, they, they announced it. They announced it, I think, back in the beginning of this year slash late last year, and they were supposed to have made an announcement by the time summer started. And there was an article recently where they were like, "Sorry, you know, it's still in development, and 
it's been delayed for various reasons. So I hope that whatever it is, it actually ends up being a big full console title because I miss Saga. It's such a weird series, but I think it could do really well on, say, like the Vita. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't see any new IPs being announced for Square Enix because they, I don't know, the Thief was, yeah. and okay. um, I like. I liked Tomb Raider. I actually I thought the reboot was pretty good with all all the uh, you know like uh, wow. What am I trying to say? Anti-feminist stuff, notwithstanding. Yeah, I didn't think it was as overt as people were making it out to be. I just think it's weird that she went from like, oh my god, I killed a deer to slaughtering thousands. Well, the thing is though, they uh, so Square Lock announced a new at least one new IP last year that was murdered, and that game came out and got pretty decent reviews. And uh, didn't it get bad reviews? Like, it, it, it got that, it got like, like sevens, seven. and they say that like, the game is pretty decent, but the story is really good. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, it's Wait, an adventure so, games. What? I heard the story was garbage. I mean, it's it's subjective, but that's any reviews I read were like the story is a mess. See, I've heard from a lot of reviews that the story was good. I, I heard the the story was good, but that people weren't prepared for it to be a point and click adventure game. They wanted it to be more like L.A. Noir with a and it was of, point and clicky, right? And it's point and click. And you know, I think we said that when we previewed the game last year, was that people were like, uh, "Yeah, there's probably not going to be much variety in how you can solve this mystery." Um, Which you know, that's fine with me. Um, that's sort of what I was expecting. And John is reviewing that now, and I want to play it, and I'll talk about it too. But like, uh, don't nod. The Remember Me developer is making a game with Square Enix that I think it just got announced, like literally today. You want um, like they haven't they haven't said if it's a follow up or if it's a new game, but uh, I I don't see them making something old. I'm gonna break Derek. You ready? Watch this. Right. Hey what? Derek, Derek, Smash Stop Brothers, it. March. Of next Yep. For Wii U? Yep. <laughs> Why does that break Derek? I don't know. I, I just I know really he loves this. he loves the Smash Brothers and I I do I, love the Smash Brothers. So do I. I don't really I don't really care that much about the three D S one. Um like I'll get it because there's such a delay between the two. But if they were gonna be released at the same time I wouldn't touch the three D S one. Because to me Smash like there's no point in playing Smash unless it's four people in front of a TV together. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I'm going to get the 3DS one because I'm very excited about it, and I feel like I'll be able to play. What? What? Derek? What? I don't know. Derek just said, wow, and then maybe he cut out. Uh, no, you... Sorry. Okay, we're cutting out a little bit. Okay, here we go. Back back to the show. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, Witcher 3, which conference does it show up to? What do you mean, which it's going to be at either Microsoft or PlayStation as, like, probably a gameplay demo. Which one? I actually don't agree. I don't think it will be... At a, I think it'll be shown in both, but not as anything that is, has attention drawn to it. Oh, I think it's going to get a five-minute demo at Microsoft. I don't think it's getting any gameplay demo at all. Oh, I think it is. It's too close. It's too close. They, they need to show it on... And, Doing a big reveal on like game trailers during the Microsoft conference, that would be huge. Uh, I think that it's going to be shown at Microsoft, which pisses me off because I'm not going to the Microsoft conference. Ah. Eh, I, I disagree. I don't think it's going to be getting a big showing at either of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just got carted out on the Microsoft conference last year. Just saying. Eh, eh. Uh, 
Castlevania. No. <laughs> what? Yeah, that series is dead. Um, I was go- I was gonna make a joke about Castlevania, and then I was like, yeah, that series is good and dead now. Um, Thanks, Castlevania. I really, yeah, I'm not a fan of the Lords of Shadow series at all. Um, I don't think they're absolute crap, but they're pretty close to it for me. I, I just I think that they completely removed the spirit of Castlevania, and I'm not just saying like my nostalgia is better than whatever they're creating now. I just they just don't feel the same, and they have a completely different aesthetic and a completely that different approach with. to progression. Like, did you get how far did you get in the first one? Where's the shadow? Yeah, not far at all. If you actually made it to the vampire castle, that's when that game decides to go from being extremely mediocre to pretty damn good, but it only lasts like an hour and a half. But, like, the game actually finds its rhythm, and who would have thought it's when it acts like a Castlevania game? Uh, but, yeah, I was going to say Konami is... is well, there are, there are all those rumors of, of Symphony of the Night 2 being announced, and I can see them trying to cash in on that nostalgia. And, I mean, they made a Rocket Knight Adventure sequel a couple of years ago, so it's not that out of the, out of the realm of possibility. I, I think Konami announces a downloadable Castlevania game. Maybe I, not downloadable, but I think they announced a 2D Castlevania game. I think Konami's a mess and is just the house that is run by uh, Winning Eleven and Metal Gear at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 7. God help me. I don't know if we see it. I think we're going to see something. We're going to see a Resident Evil something or other. Well, Capcom's lineup is pretty small, like what they've announced, so they, there's room for them to, to add Maybe. something to it, so that wouldn't be too surprising. Maybe they announce a friggin' Mega Man game. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if any franchise truly feels dead at this point, it's it's Mega Man. And I, I don't want that to happen because I love Mega Man so dearly. I want it to be alive. Mm-hmm. You're getting Mighty Number no. 9. Relax. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, but, man. And they, they showed and gameplay Gunful. from it recently, too. That's so cool with like its dashing mechanics. I'm just like, this looks really like kinetic. I like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, any other big predictions? Thinking strictly RPGs. Uh, man, I want to see more of Below. Steven, you and I are going to hold hands and go play Below. That's probably exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, we are going to run and play Below. Um, there was, we did a, I want to see Tales from the Borderlands, and I don't think Game of Thrones will be there. No, Game of Thrones is not going to be there. But, uh, Tales from the Borderlands will be there. I'm excited to see that, because I've always said that the writing in Borderlands is one of its many strengths. And the idea of getting the Telltale writers with the Borderlands writers, with the Gearbox writers, and like, like there's a lot of potential for a humorous but serious story set in Borderlands. So having it tied to that sort of gameplay is really exciting. Yep. Oh, I think we've done enough of uh, E3 predictions. Nothing else I can really think about. Am I missing? Deep down. Eh. 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 That game just yeah. looks like janky Dark Souls. There, I said it. And guess what? You know what janky Dark Souls was? Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> <laughs> that was janky-ass Dark Souls. Like, Derek talks about the jank of Dark Souls. That was jank Dark Souls. That game was janky. Ugh. Speaking of Dark Souls, as we move on into news... That... Oh, do I? Yeah, you have to. I don't want to talk about... Oh, well, okay, I thought we were going to talk about Beast. So Dark Souls 2 um, is having a trilogy of DLC episodes. Yay! People like Rob and Steven can keep playing Dark Souls and keep talking about it on the podcast 
forever, and I will never escape it, no matter what happens. Derek, when it comes on Steam sale, I'm just going to buy you Dark Souls 2, because honestly, when you play it, it, it you, you do, I, I heard you say it in regards to something, I think it was Drakengard, like the whole jank of Dark Souls. When you play that game at 60 frames per second, trust me, you, you'll like it. Yeah, I think that would actually help me out. Yeah. It, so yeah, it, it, I, I agree with you. Like, when I played Dark Souls 2 on console, I immediately, like, I bought it, played it for an hour, and then sold it to my friend. Because I was like, I don't want to play the game this way. Like, it's just, it's so, it's a game that depends on fluidity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so Dark Souls 2, it's getting some DLC. Um, the first one of those three chapters is called The Crown of the Sunken King, and that's going to come out on July 22nd. Um, you can get the entire pack of all three for $25 or buy them individually for 10 So you'd save 5 bucks if you got the pack. But um, all three of them are coming out before the end of the year. They're uh, July, August, and September is the release schedule so yeah it's going to be you know new areas new new bosses and looks really good i like the fact that it has a decent release schedule it's not dlc that's coming out super long after uh doing it you know in a reasonable amount of time one one each month sounds pretty good and other potential souls news oh my god that potential project beast <laughs> you didn't faint. even let you didn't even let derek get to that news story you were just like now nah, we're talking about this faint <laughs> I, I didn't really want to talk about it anyway but go ahead uh they uh, supposedly some potential gameplay for project beast leaked what we might see during the sony press conference and holy crap <laughs> like damn yeah it looks cool it it look you know what it is it looks just familiar enough to have me excited but it also looks completely different that's what i really like it it has that you know behind the back style camera and you know you're looking right at the character's back and he's moving around so it's got a similar fluidity to dark souls and demon souls but it looks wildly different so i'm really excited for that god please let if that is at the sony press conference you will Rob's he- gonna jump into my arms. You're gonna hear me faint. I am going to faint at the Sony press conference. I'm just oh! <laughs> They're gonna have to revive. Are we gonna do? I-, I was wondering, should we take pictures of us like the old IGN pics of like the guys who were sitting there? Like it, it became that internet gif of like the IGN yeah. guys sitting there watching the Nintendo press conference with their arms folded, completely not paying attention. And then the next year when they announced uh, Twilight Princess, they're all like cheering and losing their minds. <laughs> should we do something like that? I mean, we always take a lot of pictures. Well, so. We're just going to be total fangirls. Yes. I'm going to selfie flip out on a train. Yes. <laughs> so, things that uh, I actually care about include... Um, Derek, you are so mean! <laughs> well, I'm sick of hearing about it! Oh my god. But, you know, but I no, I, actually, I, uh, I would like to see more of Project Beast. I just feel like not enough has been revealed for me to care yet, because... It's the spiritual successor to a series that I have no interest in, so, you know, whatever. I'm allowed to not care about things like I don't care about things that I like. Oh, yeah. Well, what were you going to talk about? I don't know. I was gonna, well, I was going to talk about how uh, Digital Devil Saga 2 is coming to the PlayStation Network this week. Okay, I do actually. Because, well, this upcoming, like, Tuesday. Because Digital Devil Saga is awesome. As you know, one of my most favorite games of all time. Um, I think most of us here at RPG can love it. Yeah. That's what I was getting to. I'll, I'll include you. Um, so the first one released, not stealthily, but they announced it. Like, they rated it, and then it came out less than a week later. So same thing's happening with Digital Devil Saga 2. It's going to come out this upcoming Tuesday, which is uh, one of the E3 days. So that's going to be June 10th. 
It's going to be 10 bucks, and you're going to buy it because you like to play good games, listener. Well, I mean, you should probably play the first Flash one. Rob. But I the second own it. One is, I own it on PlayStation 2. Come on. So, yep. So that's a cool thing that's happening. Um, Danganronpa 2, as we know, is coming out this year, but it just got an official release date. It's going to be here on September 5th. And the uh, Nipponichi store has a limited edition with a bunch of extra goodies uh, included. But if you want it, you can just get the game by itself, um, which is probably what I'll do. They released a new trailer for it that shows off all the characters, and they all have weird uh, off-the-wall personalities slash, like, titles. Again, there's, like, the ultimate martial artist and ultimate swordswoman and ultimate breeder, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) So... Yes. Okay, that came across way creepier than I intended it to. I apologize yeah, it, for that. It sounded a little bit like Tingle giggling. <laughs> oh, you but... bastard. That is <laughs> brutal. So, oh, that, that, that was going to be an E3 prediction. New Tingle game. <laughs> Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land 2. Oh so, yeah, that's going to come out in September. So, that's cool. I mean, we, we've talked about Danganronpa here on the podcast. It's uh, It's one of those games where I feel like it's going to be better than you think it is. I feel like most people look at the game and they're like, eh, but it's so much better than you think it is. So I think Duncan Ropa 2 is going to be pretty much the same thing. That, that's high on my list to play once I've Yeah, you really should. I think you'd like Yeah, I have it. And I, like, I've made it a little bit in. I just I st- keep playing. And I'm like, eh. Maybe like, I'm not. sure it will get good. But it's it's one of those, like, you're at the beginning of a visual novel and here's the 60 characters, 30 of which will be killed off in 20 minutes. But we're still going to give you their 20 pages of introductory dialogue. Here's Big Boob character uh, one. Here's Big Boob character two. A couple of those, but yeah. That's exactly what's happening with me in Steinsgate, because Rob uh, gave me a copy of Steinsgate a little while back. And by a little while back, I mean like, I don't know. A month and a half ago. (laughs) So so, um, I'm supposed to be reviewing it, but I keep getting sidetracked by other games. And every time I think about playing it, I'm just like, it's a visual novel and I'm at the beginning. But um, I, do, I love Stansgate, and I, I think it has a, a fantastic story. I watched the anime, so I, I look forward to playing that. So, yeah, I, I get what you mean, though, Steven. It's like, it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to motivate yourself to start. But I think that, like VLR and 999, once you actually get started, you'll you'll get sucked in. So, same thing will probably happen with Danganronpa 2. So, um, the future of Harvest Moon is kind of interesting, because uh, <laughs> Xseed, who is owned by Marvelous, just announced that they're going to be localizing um, Bokujo Monogatari, what is it, Connect a New World, and which Something is like, like the, the the newest Harvest Moon. But they're not going to be calling it Harvest Moon, they're calling it Story of Seasons, because Natsume actually owns the Harvest Moon name. So that's kind of interesting and odd. Um, but that's going to be coming out later this year. And then, like, two days later, Natsume announces a new Harvest Moon that's in development. <laughs> um, it's called Harvest Moon 3D, The Lost Valley. And it's it's uh, like the first fully realized three dimensional Harvest Moon where you can actually rotate the camera and stuff, and you can customize your farm and blah blah blah. So uh, so we have one Harvest Moon that isn't Harvest Moon called Story of Seasons, and then a new Harvest Moon called The Lost Valley that's coming out later, both later this year. So um, that's confusing, but if you like Harvest Moon, that's cool. Um, I haven't really played one that I've gotten into in quite a while. I used to be super super into the uh, GameCube one, A Wonderful Life. I played that. I love the Super Nintendo one. Um, somehow missed 64, which everybody says was the best. And uh, I enjoyed Min- Friends of Mineral Town on GBA and uh, Wonderful Life. So I hope this can kind of recapture that. It, it looks like they're shaping up well. And a note about the uh, story of Seasons is I think that one of the things that Harvest Moon has, uh, w- one of the problems Harvest Moon has, is that the localizations are never that great. Um, 
I think that Natsume's localizations tend to be kind of dry. So I saw some screenshots of Story of Seasons, and there appears to be a lot more flavor in the writing because Exeed is handling it. So I really like that. Um, and I think that can actually do a lot to infuse the game with a little bit more flavor and life. So I look forward to it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll try it. And finally, the probably the biggest news story for today, we just got a, a brand new trailer and a release date for The Witcher 3. It's going to be coming out on February 24th, 2015 on oh. PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Um, the collector's edition is going to have a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's going to have a figure, like a polystone figure of Geralt fighting a griffin, uh, Witcher medallion, steelbook case, 200-page art book, and a large box. And all of that is in addition to what the regular edition comes with, which is a Witcher Universe compendium book, a map, stickers, and a soundtrack CD, which is pretty awesome for just a regular edition. Um, all that stuff just comes with it but automatically at regular price. Yeah, I... I watched uh, the trailer this afternoon, and they announced a lot of really cool GOG uh, game. Uh, I just completely blanked on what GOG stands for. Good old games, games. right? Oh, my God, I'm tired. A lot of really good integration there and some good pre-order bonuses. I will say this much, and maybe this is why I really want to see this game demoed at one of the press conferences. Guys at CD Projekt Red, I love you to pieces, and you're probably not listening to this, but still... We know you can make a beautiful game. I want to see it now. Like, I want to see the game in action. I want to see actual gameplay. I don't want to see cutscenes. I don't want to see things that look like they might be gameplay, possibly. I want to see how that game actually runs. And now, granted, Kyle and John both said that it looks amazing, and I am inclined to believe them. But I just want to see that game in motion. I want to see, like, ten minutes of it. That's it. Just like, here's Geralt walking through a town, getting a simple side quest, and going and killing a monster. Yeah, That's all I need to see. It's got me really intrigued. It looks gorgeous, but uh, I, I would also like to see some actual real gameplay footage. And I think I think we might get some of that um, at E3. I don't know if we're going to get a lot, but maybe like behind closed doors, they, they'll probably show a little bit. Yeah, it uh, just... It, the fight scenes and everything that they've shown in the trailers that are supposedly gameplay... I, I know they said they're not planning on doing a lot of QTEs, but it does look very God of War QTE, not non-interactive to me. So, you know, but then again, the full combat mod for Witcher 2 had me so high on it because it fixed a lot of my problems with the Witcher 2's combat. It felt a lot more fluid, a lot more dynamic, a lot more resource management that made sense. I, I'm so hyped on this game, but I'm like, guys, it, it's time to, you know, take off the kimono a little bit and let me... Let me see a little bit. Like <laughs> that came across way worse than I that thought it would. Interesting. No, no, no. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's the Godzilla argument. Did you guys see the new Godzilla? Let me tell you about the new Godzilla. Okay. The new Godzilla. Uh, please don't spoil the new Godzilla. I'm not going to spoil it. The last 20 minutes are amazing, but everything leading up to that will piss you off. Yeah, but you don't want. You don't care about the human element of the story. I've heard uh, a lot of people that have seen it that told me that the human storyline is actually good uh they are wrong they are dead wrong the best, a lot of people uh no and i know what they're speaking to which is brian cranston who is awesome but the rest of the human story is awful it's wooden characters that don't have any character and so then when they f- when they fake you out the first time that godzilla is going to throw down with the monster it's kind of funny when they fake you out eight more times it starts to piss you off. That's why Pacific Rim is a better movie. 
Like, Pacific Rim gave you what you wanted. And don't get me wrong, I like the new Godzilla, but I feel the same way with Witcher 3. I'm like, okay, you guys have really got me turned on to this game. I want to see it now. Show me something. You know what I mean? Like, just show it. Show Geralt murdering something. I don't know. Uh, He's probably pretty good at that. I mean, Kyle can attest to it. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I think uh, I I do think you're right that this is going to be year of the 2015 in a lot of ways. Which is uh, not we're probably, probably going to hear a lot of announcements of things that look great but aren't going to come out this year. Um, that's kind of disappointing, but I do think there's going to be a lot of strong stuff at this show. I think every year, right before E3, there's this there's this like movement of negativity where everybody's like, "Yeah, this E3 is going to suck," and I don't I don't know if it's them just trying to like lower their expectations so that they are pleasantly surprised when things don't suck. But people typically like the buzz is typically negative before most E3s and then ends up being a good show. Um, yeah. NeoGAF is like that right now. Like I made the mistake of looking at it once and it's just everybody <laughs> like terrible, nothing showing up except terrible for games. The, except for the project beast thread. That thing is hilarious. But uh, I, I think what you guys are seeing is more and more, I, I guess a couple of years ago when I first started really following E3, like when I first got to college and they finally started to show things like the press conferences online, there was no – nobody had any idea what you were walking into. It was like, I don't know what's going to be announced. Do you know what's going to be announced? I have no clue what's going to be announced. So when you saw things like you know the Final Fantasy thirteen trailer or the Fallout 3 trailer, it was like, <gasps> oh my god. And now with like the three-week buildup to E3, there's a lot of pre-E3 events and a lot of trailers already get leaked. You know, I, I said that, to, that I don't understand. There is a lot of that. Like, yeah, this, yeah. this week there has been a ton of stuff just being announced flat out. Like, not here's just our E3 trailer, but announced. Yeah, like don't show me that. I I, I think that's my E3. point. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Shovel Knight just got a release date. June. 20th. Oh, did it really? June twenty sixth. Oh, cool. All right, sweet. Um, but like. I think 3DS version, and it's going to be amazing. I think the only one who still gets it right because he keeps his trailer under wrap is Hideo Kojima. Like, we don't know what he's going to show at E3, and that's kind of cool. I just, you know, when when I first saw the trailer for Snake Eater, like, I lost my damn mind. I was like, (gasps) this is incredible. Like, I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know it was going to be announced. I didn't know what it was at first. I was just blown away. And now with all these pre-E3 leaks or these pre-E3 reveals or like you guys are talking about the E3 trailers, it takes away a little bit of the mystique. So I'm hoping that there are still surprises. I really hope that there is a Metroid game waiting in the wings at Nintendo that nobody knows is coming. Like, I I want that stuff. Like I said, I I would wager 85% certainty that there will be a Metroid game, maybe even two Metroid games announced. I think the idea of two Metroid games puts you in crazy town. But one Metroid game, I think... One on both platforms, man. No, I, I, no way. Uh, I think you have a 20% chance of seeing it on the 3DS. But we had two on the GameCube. You had two what? It was Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion announced at the same time. Yeah, how long ago was that, big guy? Well, I mean, that's the last major how Metroid announcement. How long ago was that? That was the last major Metroid announcement, not Metroid Prime 2... Uh, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption or God Help Me. Uh, You're telling me the Team Ninja one didn't get a lot of hype from Nintendo even though that game sucked. That game is pretty terrible. That game sucked. 
really, Rob? Tell me. Tell me. I thought you said that it's not okay to say it sucked. No, I'm sorry. Team Ninja, Team Ninja makes everything worse. There, I said it. <laughs> I do not I'm, understand the love affair with Ninja Gaiden. I'm, I've I'm never understood that. I do agree with you. Like, I think the first Ninja Gaiden was actually really good because I think it was it okay. Was, it was mindingly hard, but but I felt like it was a like it controlled really tightly, and I enjoyed playing it even though it frustrated me. But everything since then has been kind of a downward spiral of sorts into bigger boobs less gameplay and i don't understand why i mean it's like extreme fetishization and that's fine if you want to look at boobs cool whatever but every single game like the like hyrule warriors has these redesigns of enemies that are anthropomorphized and they're just like big boob ladies seriously yeah i don't understand like Uh what why is that why is that their (laughs) thing couldn't they be known for something better than that? Like good games? Yeah. Because their best game they ever made was made for the Xbox. Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball? I was going to say it was uh, the original Ninja Gaiden. And when did that come out? Like 2002? Three? It was a while back. Yeah, it's been almost ten years and they haven't made a game equal they to Dead it. Or, they made Dead or Alive. That was a good game. I'm not, really, I'm not a huge fan of Dead or Alive. I think they're really shallow. Well, I mean, I, I don't like all of them. But like Dead or Alive 2 on Dreamcast was good. That was cool. I, but I think some of that was novelty, though, of being an HD fighter that looked that good. Uh, super fast. It's yeah, like the it, Battle it, Arena Toshinden thing. It, it ran really, yeah, it ran really smoothly. But in theory, it's not a super deep game. None of them. Steven, uh, I'm gonna say it again. It's my life. It's my worldview now. I really hope I'm wrong. I just think that. I think Metroid has been very tarnished, and it's never been a uh, it's never been a selling franchise in Japan. It never has been, and so it would only be a game for American audiences, which I don't think is what Nintendo wants right now. I would disagree, friend Lily, and I think we're going to get one for sure, and possibly even two. Because the the 3DS has momentum, and they don't want to lose that. And if they just drop. You know, they're going to announce a ton of stuff for 3DS, I'm sure. And I think one of them will be a Metroid, and I think the Wii U will definitely get a Metroid unveiled. <sighs> I really that's true. I really do want a new Metroid. I, I think the 3DS could possibly happen. But I want to get. I want to make Metroid crawl so bad. All right. Okay. Uh, is that it? That's it, sir. I think we're good. That's all I got. All right, guys. Uh, we're definitely going to do two shows from E3, which reminds me that we got to talk about the logistics of that as soon as we get done this podcast. Uh, so keep a lookout for those. Maybe one show uh, Tuesday night, another show Wednesday night. We'll see how the drinking goes and whether or not we're too inebriated to do anything. Uh, for Steven and Derek, thanks a lot. And we look forward to talking to you guys during E3.